First round, make it count, toss it out, stir up the crowd. Second round, throw it down, knock them out, time to get loud. It's the Two Beer Podcast time. And welcome back to the Two Beer Podcast. It's your boy Jordan here with your favorite host drew and we are ready to bring all kinds of noise to to every one of our listeners here um hope everybody enjoyed the jingle on the lead-in um we have a a fun show here today drew do you want to uh tell everyone what's on tap first what a night we're recording Mm. this one a little late we're we're around the stroke of midnight we get a six from midnight real quick on this pod. We had a Thursday night football, awesome overtime game. The Pirates of the University of Seton Hall. All right, is that the Seton Hall? Yeah, University? yeah, that, no, that was that was the joke. The U, yeah, yeah, the U. Huge <laughs> win, huge win at Marquette. We own those losers. We own Theo John. So the boys are buzzing here. They are buzzing. 10. Coach Woj, that lo- that sore loser. We own him. Big win for the Pirates coming out. Uh, we've been drinking for hours. This one's going to be fun. Yep. Uh, on tap, man, we're going to recap last week's exciting Saturday. Whole Saturday full of boxing started mm-hmm. at 1 p.m. We're going to preview the big fight this weekend. Probably the, I'll, I'll say probably the second biggest fight since uh, since quarantine uh, started back in last March. And then uh, we're going to do a little NBA preview since that season starts on tuesday um we're gonna do some compelling storylines we're gonna talk with about. special we a, guest we do have a special guest this week um we're gonna hit our parlays uh close but no cigar again last week uh it's all right our friend not blaming anybody steve our friend steve got us this awesome jingle and uh got us some some listen pop so we're gonna forgive him on the parlay yeah and, uh, beer two we're gonna crack open and uh we're gonna go we're gonna talk about some uh feedback we got on christmas movies for some of uh some of the listeners that uh that sent us their their notes Grinding and some uh, gears on the christmas movies yeah and then we're gonna keep rolling right into season two peaky blinders yep all right so before we do the two bruce Lou, let's bring in our guest my brother tory white he's gonna help us out on the nba so tory come online hello good Dude, to be dog. here Welcome to the Two Beers Pod. Everyone assume positions. The Two Brew Salute. I went early again. I thought you were on time. That was a good stroke by you. Um, All right. I'll leave us off. I always got a good stroke, bro. Yeah. Well, speaking of strokes here, um, I got a Founders KBS Espresso. It is a 12 percenter. Which I'm gonna need to balance out the pregame Red Bull I have before I start this podcast. So wait, is that like a coffee beer, like a coffee flavored beer? Uh yes, yes it is. It's 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 a um, it's a uh, stout. So it's a big twelve percent stout espresso flavored. Yes, it is barrels. So it is, it is. It says ale brewed with chocolate and coffee, aged in oak bourbon barrels. It is. I've had it before. It's fantastic. Um, Interesting. So I'm, I'm actually pouring it into a glass. If you could hear that, um, as did I. Cannot. What do you got, Tori? Uh, I have a hitchhiker subsurface that subsurface all berries, uh, smoothie sour, 
uh, filled the with raspberries, hell? blueberries, uh, all kinds of fruit in it. And it's that, just a big old fruit bomb. That may be the uh, most coming wild in beer at seven percent podcast. Yeah, that's the wildest beer on the Two Beers podcast so far. I agree, Drew. What you got, Drew? I got me a uh, a Trogues Blizzard of Hops. IPA. Nice. That's what I was been drinking. So. Oh yeah. Oh, Very yeah, familiar. The, we're, we're, we're keeping Trogues in business with all this free advertising. Sounds Seriously. delectable. <laughs> all right, oh, um, T, we'll, we'll bring you in on the NBA preview. Drew and I are going to jump into some boxing here. So, um, Rex up, boys. Enjoy, enjoy that, that beer number one as we uh, do some boxing recap. We'll do. All right, Drew. So we started out last Saturday, middle of the day, because it was in – it was in – was UK. it London? It was in UK, and it was um, – uh, Joshua versus Pulev, Oof. and um, Pulev just, you know, he was hanging for a minute, but um, Joshua's talent and power just took over. Yeah, well, it was actually cool, because this was the, I believe this was the first one that zone had actually with fans. So it was in Wembley yes. Arena, which I guess is the equivalent of, like, the Madison Square Garden, like, like theater um so it had about a thousand fans so i was not expecting that uh, yeah and they were joshua's hometown fans so they yeah, were all pumped so that up. was really cool uh but yeah there so was we like five entrance it, musics um, you know on the pod we thought i you know i thought this was actually gonna go the distance and joshua was just kind of gonna you know pull the ruiz two uh strategy work the jab mm-hmm. um win all points uh not engage pulev because uh, pool he's got a dangerous straight right jab i mean if he if he lands it enough you know he can knock you down but yeah um, but you know what drew with the height disparity and the reach disparity Pulev could not work that jab at all no and he just he was he was a little tentative i'll tell you it was it was a for it was it was an incredibly one-sided fight um we had it scored that it went nine rounds uh anthony joshua he knocked him down three or four times throughout the fight then he had the final kill shot in the ninth round I had the or we had I think we both had yeah I had the score I had the scorecard eighty seventy going into the ninth round you might have given Pulev one round um, I don't I honestly don't remember I don't think I did yeah but, he um, he landed he landed the best shots in the eighth round but I still felt that I was gonna say judges, it was the seventh or eighth round where he actually yeah, showed but up I, a little I still bit. felt like Joshua owned the round yeah I agree you know he he outlanded him so um, but man there was I'll tell you Pulev laughing off some of the Joshua like blows like, and they were vicious hits and he was just like a cra- like your typical crazy Russian man. He was just like laughing, like wanting more. It was awesome to watch. Drew, like, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring this up. I-, I feel like all the time, not oh, more than nine times out of 10, when somebody gets crushed with a shot and they come up smiling or shaking their head, like that didn't phase me. I feel like, especially early in a fight, I feel like it's like this dude's about to get knocked out because they, I feel like they're convincing themselves that more than they're convincing their opponent. Like to me, that just shows a lack of focus, and they're trying Typic- to convince themselves. I, I typically agree. And Josh, that happened to Joshua in the, the first Ruiz fight. I just think he's a psycho, <laughs> and he could was be. just really enjoying getting the shit beat out of him. Um, but yeah, you know, it could it could have easily have been stopped in um, the third round when he knocked him down because Pulev like turned his back to Joshua and went yeah. to the corner. Was like running away with his back turned. Like it yeah. was that was not a boxing move. That was no, very strange. I, I mean, judges have stopped fights for a lot less than that, so that could yeah. have been an automatic stoppage. Um, I thought in the ninth, his first knockdown in the ninth round, I thought they were going to stop it because 
it, he gave it i do i do like i do like refs that go the full 10 cal because that's just like you know to me how it should it be. they shouldn't be stopping at seven you get 10 seconds to get up and and, and collect yourself um but I mean, Pulev wasn't even like walking to the right corner, or wasn't even coherent. Oh yeah, he was like wandering around the ring, and and the ref, you yeah. know, they 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 clutch their their wrist to make sure they're all there. The ref kind of just like shook the guy's wrist and like flung him down, like and Pulev clearly like did was not there when the, he did that, and the ref was like, "All right, box," and it was like, yeah, that I like, I, I, I thought doing? it was irresponsible of him at that point. It was really like, bad refereeing, um, yeah. But it was better. Yeah, I, I, the only I would say the only downside of that fight was I thought the officiating once again. It's been the theme of quarantine was so brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pulev he he had so many rabid shots by, you know, on the back of the head of Joshua, mm-hmm. and you know both Joshua and Pulev both were exchanging shots after the bell. Uh, at some point, like you have to control the fight, you know, or yeah, it was know, bad. It's it, yeah, that was that was bad. Um, but yeah, again, exciting fight. It end, you know, Joshua won like we thought he would. Um, you know, it, it was by knockout, so versus you know, winning on the cards. Yeah, we thought it would go to the cards, but he he had enough of pool eleven. Finished and the ninth. Uh, you know, and it, it set it sets up what hopefully is going to be probably the biggest fight since. Uh, I, I mean, jo- Pacquiao I mean, Mayweather, I mean, F- Fury Fury Wilder two was such an event. I like, I don't want to shortchange that. But I feel like this is going to be the biggest heavyweight showdown since. Oh jeez. Uh, what's that? Uh, I if you put the qualifier of heavyweight on there, I just said oh jeez, like probably. Yeah. Holy, oh yeah. Probably oh, heavyweight. Holy, Sorry. Yeah, the heavyweight fight. Probably I'm, Holyfield I'm, Tyson I mean, too, right? Lewis Lewis Holyfield is what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's mega. So we're we're looking. At, we still don't know what Wilder's. Because he has that clause, but he's being all weird. So. Well, yeah, he's got his lawsuit out. He wants the rematch. Well, here, here's a couple couple things I want to touch on that are... Here's the situation with Fury and Joshua. Uh, Joshua has mandatories for his other three belts. The main one that we've talked about a couple of times on the show, Alexander Usyk. Usyk, yeah. Um, so, and Eddie Hearn, who is the promoter for Joshua, had an interview today where he kind of told the boxing commissions, like, listen... If we vacate like this, 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 this fight should be for all the belts. You know, if 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 we have to vacate one, we every the, both guys might as well just vacate all their titles and just have the fight just to get the fight to happen. Um, so they need to be careful here about how they play that. I think that I think if they offer enough money to Usyk, he'll step aside if he's guaranteed the winner. Um, I just think why the Wilder wild card is what could throw a, a monkey wrench into scuttle, the situation scuttle but, the, the mega fight yeah that so that's that's kind of where it stands it would probably take place in saudi arabia because they can have as many people there as they want so they'd be able to get the gate for the fans mm-hmm. um and i mean the joshua ruiz too which was, was a huge turnout um out there and it was uh, a huge spectacle so that would be cool yeah. um at, selfishly i've i've been waiting a year for this to be a wembley stadium because me and i know I keep joking that you're going to come even though you won't because you suck. But uh, our friend Anthony, me and him, would just make a whole week of going out to London and watching that. Oh, dude, I'd totally be there. Yeah, sure you would. Um, <laughs> uh, Wife and kids yeah, be, be damned. Can you, I'll can be you, there. Can you imagine if we recorded the pod live? I don't even from... think my passport is 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 is, uh, is active. Dude, gotta... we could we could do the pod live from London. You imagine oh, the, the you... beers we'd be we'd oh be, my gosh uh, we'd be crushing in out a there. pub. That'd be sweet. Do they go to the pub at like four o'clock? 
yeah, dude, uh, let's uh, let's God, do that. So cool. But anyway, um, I did find it interesting though. Like, like you know, Tyson Fury's hilarious. He just talks mad shit and just is so entertaining. Like he's calling out Joshua. Like he's like, mm-hmm. let's do it, let's do it. After the fight, it was interesting. Joshua was kind of he really wouldn't call out Fury. He basically was like. The goal, yeah, we're chasing the belt. We're not chasing Tyson Fury, which, like, to me is kind of like, all right, dude, well, Tyson Fury has the belt, so, like, shouldn't you be saying you want Fury? Because he's got it. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm still, I still question Anthony Joshua. I I don't know why. Like, he he was very convincing. I don't know why either, but. um... Sorry, one last thing. And what still had me, the one part of that fight that I thought was very interesting, which he cannot do against Tyson Fury Pulev, about halfway through that fight, got Joshua to engage at points in the at points that he shouldn't have, and he took some unnecessary shots that stumbled him a little bit. I don't think he was ever. I don't think there was ever a danger of him getting knocked out, but Pulev was getting in his head and messing with him, and Joshua was engaging to start trading blows, um, which he didn't do in the Ruiz fight. He would not. No matter what Ruiz was doing, he wouldn't engage with him and put himself in danger. But he did in this fight. Now Tyson Fury, who turned Tyson Fury up, you know, to a thousand, the way he'll he'll start like gawking at him in the ring. I I'd be very worried that Joshua is gonna get out of his uh, his game plan and Fury's gonna put him down. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. I I, I just hope it happens. Yeah, and we, so, and we and we go to England. That would be sweet. Oh God, so cool. But um, so that that was that fight that, came on about five six p.m. Oh, on Saturday. So awesome. I love these UK um, fights. And then um. ESPN had free boxing, and there was it was honestly it was delayed by the freaking Gators losing to LSU, Florida Gators. It was an SEC game, so it was delayed by an hour. And when they finally went to boxing on ESPN, Berlanga and um, Ulysses, uh, Ulysses Sierra was that his, something like that? Uh, who cares? Um, was in the ring. I only say his name because two things. Now Berlanga, just as a refresher, was the guy is the guy that's sixteen and 0, 16 first round knockouts. They were at one sixty eight, were they true? Yeah, he was and, fif- he was fifteen and 0 going into the fight. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, fifteen and 0 going into the fight, fifteen first round knockouts, and um, Ulysses Sierra had never been stopped before, and so kudos there, number one. Number two, if you're fighting somebody like Berlanga, you can try and be like, oh, I'm gonna try and box him, or whatever. You gotta, you your best chance is to go on offense, and this guy did, and came out and started hitting Berlanga early, and so that was like, oh crap, what's what's gonna ha- what's Berlanga gonna do? Uh, he ate the punches for lunch, and then he pounded this guy. Another first round stoppage. It was <sighs> incredible. I mean, by the time he knocked the guy down the third time, which it was under, th- I think it was under thirty seconds left in, in yeah. the first round. By the time the third knockdown came around, those punches weren't even landing. Like no. they were being blocked, but they were just so powerful that that guy was rattled, and, Dude, and it, he was still like knocking the guy over, even though they were like half landing, half blocked. Yeah, no, no offense to it, our guy in a way. This guy is the real monster. I mean, Ooh. he is he is scary. I forgot about in a way. Good call, but there. Oh my gosh, yeah, he he is. Now, in a way, moves more like Lomachenko, and just he's he's more artsy. Um, well, and Berlanga and is the second and he's coming of pounds. Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> no, correct. One hundred percent correct. Yeah, but I, I'm planting the flag. Berlanga is the second coming of Mike Tyson. 
dude. He, he is. Granted, he's forty pounds lighter than Mike Tyson. At eh, forty, yeah, about that. And um, my gosh, he is. I, I don't. Uh, you you do the pound for pound top ten, and I generally agree with it. I would put Berlanga. Too soon. Uh, 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 I would put him at number you gotta, ten. You, you, I know. Have, I know. I knew to, you would say too soon. I'd put him at ten. Like for me, you have to. You have to have at least beat somebody one, of consequence. You got to have at least one quality win. Ooh, I, and, yeah, like, I like, hear like, you. To get on the to get on the pound for like that's why Shakur's not who we're going to talk about in a minute. Like he's not on my pound for pound yet because like he still hasn't fought anybody. Like to me, that's worth saying. All right, like you actually got tested by a, you know a top two a top two guy. That's a legitimate threat um, to you, and that's a champion. Yeah, and Berlanga said in the post-fight interview, like he's like, I need rounds in 2021. I need rounds. I don't know who's gonna be able to give him rounds because he is punishing people. So. Yeah, I mean, one one six. There, there's some good. There's some good fights there at 168. The problem is, you know, are you gonna have other cross? Is Canelo at 168 right now? He's 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 moving between 160 and 175 to fight the best fighters. Yes, because there's there yeah that's that's what he's doing. He's not he is not a he's, natural one sixty eight er. He right. is a natural one sixty I think pounder. Yeah, he's trying to move up and down. We'll we'll, we'll get to him in a few minutes too. Yeah, but, so like um, I don't I don't know that can, the Canelo fight is something that would happen anytime soon. Maybe that might be two years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple guys that we we've, we've seen that I think you know might might make sense for him. But yeah, yeah, he is he is just awesome. He's exciting. I'd be curious to see if Top Rank was going to actually start with that fight or the second fight. But because I was wondering was like that a, too. Yeah, you know, a six-hour delay with the football game. Did they basically say, "All right, let's get everybody pumped up and throw this guy out here first? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you knew it was going to be electric. And you know what? In in the ring after he knocks these guys out, yeah, he's a little bit like a little bit showsy and little, which is fine in boxing but in his interviews like he i just i just like him man he's very oh, like, he's down to earth yeah, and, yeah he's yeah he's he's not a he's, he's not, not a he's, shit talker like the way no he, he's not a jerk i i, I he's no. quickly rising up my boards of favorites yeah he's yeah he's he's a, he's a pod favorite for sure um, gotta, i got i got i got i got maybe for christmas i'll get you that that i'm a monster t-shirt to hit oh, in the background love it <laughs> um so the second fight was probably the fight of the night um it was um, Nak- uh, Nag- Nakatani. Nakatani. Okay, I wanted to get that right. Versus Verdejo, and um, so that the reason why it was probably fight of the night was Nakatani. He's a little bit of a name in that weight class. About what they're one forty, right? One thirty five. One thirty five. Okay, and so he was. His last fight was against Tiafimo, and he took Tiafimo the distance and did very well against Tiafimo Lopez. Yes, um, he gave him a lot of trouble. Yeah, and so he was going up against Verdejo, and Verdejo is known as like someone who has some punching power and can do some things, and is trying to like take that next step. Yeah, he was he was a big prospect, and then I think he got in a car accident um, that yeah, basically took it, him out of commission for a couple of years. Yeah, and so he was like trying to reestablish like his 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 like uh, his name and his status, but he's kind of also known as someone who kind of like doesn't have the stamina at the end so as it turns out for Deho put nakatani down in what round two i think i think two and then didn't you put him down a second time he i think it was twice in round two but it was he dominated the first five or six rounds and everyone's like nakatani i mean drew and i are texting the call and like nakatani like what is going on yeah next thing you know round seven nakatani starts to 
flip the switch. Did he knock him down once in round seven? He didn't knock him down, but he hurt him. He, yeah, and so honestly, Verdejo just ran out ran out of juice. His legs were jelly, and that was another round nine uh, knockout. So Nakatani actually fought all the way back, knocked Verdejo down. Verdejo got up, and the ref actually did a good job with the eight count and the ten count and everything. Yeah, but and as, Verdejo soon, as, came soon, back. as soon as I think as soon as he got up, I texted you spaghetti legs, and he went right down. Yeah, he went right back down, and yeah. that was over. So it was it was it was a really cool comeback. Um, you know, I don't have anything to add from there. That was just, it was just a cool. Yeah, fight. no, I mean, I think it, the only th- the, the the most interesting thing outside of the comeback and the fight was it was funny because uh, Tim Bradley, who's he's he's basically like the the loud mouth like eccentric one on that team to get you know to to entertain people. He basically was just like, man, if I was in Nakatani's corner, like Verdejo is just leaving himself wide open in the middle, I would just be landing one, two, one, two jabs, one, two punches, and just just taking it to him. And that's exactly what he did. That's, and that's exactly what, what happened. Yeah, so, that was I, fun. I, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. Yep. But yeah, that's well. Again, I think he he called out Tiafimo after the. I don't know if he he was holding the belt after the fight. I don't know if that's like, uh, like I don't know if he's like a mandatory for pictures now or, or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> However the hell that works. Yeah, I remember you texting me like, "What's that belt there for?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Why is this guy holding a belt? Like, what is happening?" Um, so we'll see. Like I said, he 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 said, uh, you know, he said he wasn't happy with the results of the first fight, and he wants him again. So we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, again, I, it's been all quiet over there in the Loudmouth's camp. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. What's so that, so then the headliner was um, Shakur Stevenson versus New Works Own. I, I say, don't even remember who the guy was. They were thrown in there last minute. Cleary. Clary, Con Clary. Clary. Oh yeah, Con. Yeah, Con. So it was honestly, I was disappointed in Shakur. He he outboxed the guy the whole time, but at no point did he make put that guy in danger. And it was just frustrating because there was one or two times where the guy started to get spaghetti legs, and Drew and I are like, "Get him! Go get him! Get him! Come on! Yeah. Go get him!" And he just. He just did not. So well, tell, went di- tell 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 everybody the real reason why we were unhappy with Shakur. I don't remember. I don't know. I forget. I mean, it, it went the distance. So we we were not happy we with were, that. But we were we were we what we did the DraftKings. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Draft DraftKings. So DraftKings. Yeah, they had that promo where you had to fill out like a ten or, or twelve questions. Yeah, and you had, so it was basically ten or twelve predictions of the fight, like who would land the first the first hit. Yes. Who, you know, would there be a knockdown in this round? Would there be one in this round? And we were, you know, I think I think it was I think it was eight questions, and we yes. were seven yes. out of eight, and we, we needed we, the knockdown in yeah, the seventh we, or eighth round. We predicted on the pod that he there'd be a stoppage in the seventh or eighth round. In the eighth just, round, yeah, exactly. Damage. Yep. And we we after we cleared no knock because he it looked like he might knock him down in the fifth round because he was stumbling a bit. Yes. Once we yes. cleared that, we were in the home stretch. We were and we were like. We're gonna win ten grand. We're gonna be having. We're gonna be giving away two beer pod shirts and hats to everybody. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and then in the seventh round, like Jo just said, Shakur hit him with a shot, and he he was wobbly and like he was he wobbly, was hurt. yeah. And Shakur just stood there, like waiting for him to throw back. It's like go finish him. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were that close to winning ten grand because I, I I filled it out. It was on my DraftKings account, and I filled it out. As per Drew's prediction, with an eighth eighth round stoppage, 
And so, yeah, in that seventh round, he had him wobbly. We're like, go get him! And uh, then he, yeah. like, <laughs> he did not know yeah. what the distance. Oh, man, it would have been so awesome. But, oh. but yeah, I mean, Shakur, again, Shakur outclassed him. You know, he's, he's, probably one of the, he's probably one of the, you know, the best young guys out there right now. Uh, what are they, Drew? 118? 122? One, are you tr- Oh, are they 130? We're we're gonna we're gonna have you like actually do some some dude. There's too many weight classes. Like this. that's you're, not you're, a me you thing. You are all over the weight classes. My memory's bad. I will readily he, admit yeah, that. But there's too many weight yeah, classes. He's at, he was at 126 and he moved up to 130 because I knew he's in the 120s. Um, so he's at 130 now. So uh, he's gonna. I think it's already pretty much agreed with because they're all top ranked guys at 130. Except for Jojo Diaz, he's gonna fight the winner of Jermel Herring and uh, Carl Frompton for whatever belt. I forget. I think WBO is the belt yeah. they have. And then the goal would be if uh, if Burchelt successfully defends against Valdez um, in February, that those two would unify um, in the uh, I guess the early summer. Which yeah. They were those two were talking shit after after the Shakur fight, which was great. Um, that yeah. that's gonna be that would be an awesome fight because Burchelt he's a heavy hitter and again he's a guy who I think you know Shakur obviously I think is the better boxer but I think Burchelt's gonna like the guy who fought this weekend wasn't taking chances like yeah Burchelt if he's like down on the on the cards he's going to let his hands fly yeah. and that's you know that's where you'll let see things go yeah hey um hey talk about the the boxing we got coming up Friday Saturday oh, here yeah. so, um and and then let let's get to the NBA preview yeah. after that so, so but but so Friday, give a little preview yeah 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 uh so so tomorrow night uh or whatever you're listening on this so Friday Friday uh, night yeah we got Triple G this is this is on the zone app um i think it starts at 8 o'clock. we have Triple G he is I already forget who he's fighting. Uh, yeah, he came out and said he wants he wants to give the fans a stoppage. Is what he's yeah. He's, Sorrento, Scarento, so. Scrotum, whoever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, outside of the fact that it's Triple G and he's back in the ring, I mean, it's I don't fi- I don't think it'll be a compelling fight. I think he'll probably end it in within six rounds. Yeah, um, but again, it's you know if there's nothing to do on a Friday night, you know, and you have to, you have the zone. You know, we recommended last weekend buy it for the month because it's a huge fight card coming up in the next Dawson. five weeks. Um, yeah. So that's that. But the big fight, and I'm so pumped. Like I said, this is probably the second biggest fight we've had um, since quarantine. Uh, so, who some consider him the number one pound for pound king. We don't have him number one on our list, but Canelo Alvarez. He's moving up to 168 to fight the number one 168 ranked fighter Callum Smith. This, to me, this is going to be such an intriguing fight. Uh, Canelo hasn't fought since I think last November um, when he took on Kovalev at 175. Um, so he's he's moving down from his last fight. Um, Callum, uh, yeah, at the, the, this point in their careers, Callum Smith is obviously a much better fighter than Kovalev. You know, I think he's five years younger than him. Just the just the sheer size difference of these two guys yeah. is what's compelling. So, uh, Canelo is five nine. He, again, he's a natural one sixty, moving up to one sixty eight, um, and his reach is seventy inches. Callum Smith is six three with a seventy eight inch reach. So we're gonna we're gonna post on Twitter our Twitter account a picture of these guys. Like it, it's crazy the size difference. It's like Taco Falls and everybody else. That's what like they look like next to each other. Yeah. 
And um, Callum Smith is a little bit at 6'3", 168. He's a little bit of like kind of like that lang- lanky, awkward fighter. But and I, see, I've been seeing him fight in a while, and I was telling Drew like I could, I had a hard time even placing him until I saw that hair. I don't know why that I, like I saw that hair and I placed him. It's like that haircut you ripped off. Like everybody started a doing little it. bit, a little yeah. bit, but um, except for mine looks cool, and yeah. um, but he um. I, I, I don't remember him having a lot of power. I just remember him just having a lot of boxing skill and like out punching yeah, people. He's got so. good, he's got he's got great boxing skill. He won the super the super series one sixty. It's like a rock'em sock'em robot with those arms. Yeah. So. He won the super series, I think it was an eight man elimination tournament at one sixty eight, um, in twenty nineteen. Um you know, he's effective with the jab. He's a good body a good body puncher. Not a ton of power, but I mean, if he if he lands, I mean, you're gonna feel it. And then Canelo is obviously, you know, probably he's probably the best body, uh, box body puncher in in boxing today. I think um, great foot. He's got great footwork, but he's sl- you know it, the only real weakness he has is he's he's flat footed. Um, ah. I don't know what's gonna. I have no prediction. You know, I, I, I don't. I I don't. I do not predict. I, you know what? Like I said, I, this is one of those ones that could be a draw. I I do predict it's gonna go the distance, but I think I think I, don't can, know, I man. think can, I think can, it's hard for me to pick against Canelo because all this all this nonsense went on with him just getting a fight with anybody that he had to leave. I think he left Pretty Boy or Golden Boy, whatever. Um, oh man, Whew, I'm feeling these right now. Uh, <laughs> been drinking for like five hours and working yeah. out it's i don't know uh, let's wrap this up and then go to the nba so we don't know um, yeah god this is gonna be such a great fight i'm so excited about it i'm gonna i'm gonna say that canelo wins 11th i'm gonna say 11th round stoppage going to the body all right but i would not i would not be shocked. i'm not i'm saying i'm saying it's going to the cards yeah, I would not be shocked if somehow Smith uh, pulls this off because, oh God, it's like it's just such a it's just such a size. And I know Kovalev was a size difference, but like Kovalev just isn't in his prime. Like, and he's not as he's not as quick and just not as as strong as I think. Drew, we're not talking about Kovalev. Stop it. He doesn't fight this weekend. Yeah, he is. He is getting a three million dollar payday for um, basically getting his ass whooped by Canelo, which is funny in about yeah. a month. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Saturday night. That's the zone. I'm sure the undercard starts at eight. Canelo probably won't go on till eleven. Uh, if there's a UFC fight, they wait till the UFC's done, which is stupid. But that's basically what happened with the uh, the Kovalev fought, just to say Kovalev again. <laughs> All right. So so fun, more boxing on the way. Um, it's it's boxing is in a golden era right now. So speaking of golden eras, let's bring in the golden boy, my brother Tori. Let's come on, it. come back in, bro. I think you're a bit overselling that. I am not a golden boy in any way, shape, or form. Oh, I thought you said we're selling the Canelo <laughs> fight. I'm like, oh, oh no, the Canelo fight's going to be great. Me, on the other hand, we'll see. We'll All right, so the reason why we're wait, hold on before oh, before oh, we do it, oh. Tori, is it is it Dazone or is it Dazen? I mean, I've listened to enough of your podcasts to go. Dazen. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm str- I'm striking that. We're gonna we're gonna edit that out. <laughs> um, so the reason why we invited my brother on and for the NBA uh, season preview is, um, uh, we honestly there was a couple other friends of ours that are 
NBA fanatics that we wanted to bring on, but we just couldn't make it happen this time around. Um, but Drew Thanks. and my brother Tori. <laughs> Um, no, well, no, you and others. We, 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 you, we, want, you, we wanted we like gonna, multiple. We were trying to get another. Oh, like a big round you. table. Yes, nice. we were trying to get like a big round table, which we couldn't pull it together. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was a big but, thing with microphones, and our buddy doesn't drink beer, and we couldn't find him a sweet potato mixed yeah. drink because he's a big sweet potato guy. It was a whole thing. <laughs> it was a thing. Um, so, um, like, Drew will watch multiple NBA games a night. Tori will watch multiple N games a night. I'll watch one or two a mm-hmm. week. And I keep up with it, like like leading up to this episode. Drew was like, "Oh yeah, because you don't even like follow it." I'm like, "No, Drew, I follow it. I don't watch the NBA every night like you and like my brother Tori does. Um, plus, Tori's a Knicks fan, so we wanted to hear the misery of that Ugh. as well." Ugh. Anyway, yeah. so um, Ugh. all right, guys. Well, well, let's start out with this. Um, like, I guess storylines. Let's let's start with. I guess let's just start with who. What are we thinking about champions coming out the East and the West? Oh, we're going predictions early, huh? Well, well, well what do you want to do? Right Drew? I'll throw it out to you guys. Let, no, let me do, let me pass it to you. Pass it to you. What do you think? Let's do that first. We'll get that out of the way, and then we'll talk about the more compelling stuff. Yeah, that, well, that's what um, kind of what I was thinking. Like, let's talk about like who we think is like the front runners, and then go to like the more compelling stuff. I'll, I'll let you go first, T Dog. Who do you like coming out of the West? All right, out of the West, I mean. I feel like that's a fairly obvious choice, unfortunately. Um, the Lakers have yeah. made some good key additions this year. Uh, I think Such first, as? And for, first and foremost, getting Montrez Harrell, if nothing else, getting him off of the Clippers because I think he was a key piece there, good locker point. room and on the floor. Uh, and adding him to their roster is big. Uh, Schroeder is a nice piece. I like I liked him. Uh, he's actually the only signing of theirs I don't like, just because I, I, to me, he's still a shit bag. Like I know he like was Mr. Nice Guy last year with OKC, but I I still dislike him. But yeah, yeah, he provides some yeah, point, some second string scoring. Yeah, to your um, point, Harold Harold, you know, is a big pickup. I don't know how that works spacing wise at the end of the game, which is one of the reasons why I think the Clippers let him go. Um, Marcus all. I mean, great Mark. ad. I mean, yeah. you know, we don't have I forgot about that. There. Yeah. And then uh, they added Wes Matthews. I think I think Laker Nation's getting a little worked up over Wes Matthews. He's basically Danny Green. We talked yeah. about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. They literally have the same stat line. Yeah, I forgot about Yeah, good call on that. Yeah, I, we, everybody we, we thinks it's like an upgrade. That. It's like, and, no. By like, the way, the Lakers are plus 140, uh, the heavy favorites to come out of the West. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with you, Tori. I think yeah, I I think um, it's the Lakers' conference to lose. They got two top yeah. five players. Um, Everyone's gonna try and sell you on the Clippers, and I am not a believer. Well, that's um, we're gonna talk about that on one of our yeah. storylines. Uh, yeah. So we can get into that. Yeah, okay. So no... so before we get into, um, if anything, Denver is a dark horse. Uh, that that that's contingent on Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull coming into yeah. their own. Yeah, they were yeah, probably right, my. Right. I, if you listened but, a few weeks ago, you know, they were probably my biggest disappointment in the off season. Yeah, they didn't do much. They didn't do themselves. much, and they lost a ton of. Key and they players. lost a couple people. Yep. Um. All right. Well, do you guys want to go down that path, or do you want to talk about the East real quick? Let's go east. Let's okay. go eastward. Uh, in the East, uh, everyone's going to try and sell you on the Nets because, you know, they got some names. Uh, they do probably have the most depth of any team in the East. Uh, they just got talent in every position. I like 
pickups like Landry Shamet to help them at point guard. He's a guy. I mean, they just got tons of shooting between him, Joe Harris, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. Karis LeVert had a heck of a season in the absence mm-hmm. of Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I think he'll fit in well with them. Uh, I just think they have the most depth, but I I feel like all those teams usually take two years to really hit their stride. Um, you, you look at like when LeBron went to Miami or anything like that. Those teams tend to take two years. Maybe in the first year they can make the finals, but not necessarily get over the hump. Um, so they are they'll be in title contention. You know, coming out of the point. East, I didn't but consider that. I think the Bucks have done enough, added enough to finally make the finals this year. Um, Drew, what are you thinking? Between uh, Drew, I'm Holiday, I'm not going to pick the Sixers. I'm not going to pick the Sixers. Um, don't pick. <laughs> don't you dare pick the Sixers. <laughs> I promised myself Dude, I wasn't going to convince myself. You don't want to know what I wrote down for the Sixers. No, actually, it's it's kind of well, and I'll say this: I'm sticking with my guns, and I've been saying I've said this for years. No team with Chris Middleton as their second best player is going to the finals, and he's still the second <laughs> best player on that team. Um, I'm actually I, I, I like Chris Middleton, which is fun. you always rag me on that. But I, I, I get I, that. Listen, I, he's I a, listen, that. listen, he's a fine player. He's a good story. He's just I, when he's your second best player, it ain't happening. Sorry, pals. Um, I saw Mo Williams as the second best player make the finals, so. Wait, who'd you see? Mo Williams. Mo Williams with that, Cleveland that team, and LeBron. That team actually did make the finals. They choked twice, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're saying. Oh, uh, no, I thought he said yeah. he saw Mo Williams make the finals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, as LeBron. the second best player. So as the he's second saying best Chris player. Middleton is the second best player. No, but, they didn't, no but that Cavs team didn't make the finals. Yes, they did. No, they did 2007. No. Oh, Mo, Mo Williams wasn't on the team then. What? They was added he? Mo Williams the next year. So you're saying the second best player was worse than Mo Williams? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, then that's my that's. Oh yeah, without question. My it, was point Delon- it was probably Delonte West. Well, I, it, regardless, regardless, I'm Booby Gibson. I'm actually Damon my uh, some 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 uh, some listeners of the pod up in North Jersey, uh, Teddy and Kevin. They're gonna love this pick. I'm rolling with the Nets, bro. I'm yeah. convinced. It, it was it was five minutes of a preseason game, but man, KD looked good. Um, Katie's I, incredible. I, I think. Love, I, love I think we that all guy. listen. Uh, and I'm going to say this: before his injury, Katie was the best player in. The and world. I was going to. Well, I'm not going to go there, because and I I, I I have two different distinctions. To me, LeBron James is still the best player in the league. I and I'm not. I hate. I don't even like the guy. But I'm. I'm. You know. As a as an ambassador of the NBA, I have yes, to speak, I was going to bring this back. I have, to, I have, the game. To, I have to educate the the audience. He's the best player. Before KD got hurt, KD was the best two way player in the NBA. He uh, when yeah. you, when you look at offense and defense, I I will also say the best two point jump shooter, which is a weird thing to say. But in today's NBA, there's not. It's a weird thing to say because in today's NBA, there's not yeah, a lot of two point jump I, shooters. There's not a lot of mid range yeah, game. But my gosh, he just pummels people yeah, in the Jordan range game. I would argue that's game. Chris Paul, but Katie's a close. The, is close uh, so. uh, dude, yo, Chris, Chris Paul is automatic. I will. T- I will take Katie ten out of ten on that. Jordan and I watched a game in Madison Square Garden where the Thunder played the Knicks. I remember you guys went whenever to that. Kevin Durant was on the Thunder. Did uh wait who who he, po- was that? I think he had forty five and ten. Did Porzingis he, posterize Perkins that game? Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> we want to put back. 
That was right in front of us. That was right in front of us. Yeah, we were we were we were under the baseline. But uh, Kevin Durant went to work and put up the easiest forty-five uh, points he, I've ever seen. Did he? It looked else, so man. effortless, and you're just like, yeah. He came down and scored again, and you looked up, and all of a sudden he's at thirty-eight, and you're like, when did this happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I'm not worried about those pieces gelling together. I'm more worried about, and this is one of our topics. It, are the two grumpy boys just gonna self implode? Sad and that's, boys, B O I S. Yeah, that's a good point, Drew. I don't know. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna take. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna say Lakers. I'm gonna say the Lakers beat the Nets. Um, and they Lakers go back, over and Nets. They go back to okay. back barring injuries. That's where I stand. Did that finals happen back in the day? Was that was that the? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nets. Yes. Nets. When they acquired Kid, they they went to the finals. Got swept. I think there's an infamous photo of by the Shaq Lakers, dunking on all five Nets. The Spurs and lost. Yeah. Um. Well. Uh. The this uh, KBS is really kicking in. So I don't know if I said this already, but Milwaukee <laughs> is plus two thirty to come out of the East, and the Nets are plus two seventy five. So those guys are almost like neck and neck to yeah. come out of the East. Um, and the closest one after that is the Celtics at plus 550. Oh, get out of um, here. And to um, win the finals, the Lakers are somewhere in the plus 325 range um, with the Bucks at plus 550 or 500 range and the Nets at plus 525 to plus 600 range. So, um, Which the people are throwing the Clippers in there too, which – we're, we're kind of tossing them right out. I mean, they're, Although, they're, they're I will say this, addition last, by so. subtraction, because they no longer have, um, uh, what's his name as the coach, who's now on the Sixers? Uh, Rivers, Doc Rivers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, reminder, Dick. I, I, um, I, th- I think the, the Clippers are a recipe for disaster, but we'll get into that. Yeah, all right, so um, let's talk storylines. Um, Why don't we start with that one? Okay, yeah, let's talk about Clippers. So I think... You know, one of our one of our things that we thought, you know, can the Clippers recover from the three one meltdown in the uh, in the summer league championships? Mm. I I think they have more issues on their plate. I mean, if you look at the way that Paul George played in that series, and then to turn around and give him the contract they gave him, that's signing mm. up for some questionable stuff. Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, Kawhi has the option to walk after this season. That is scary. Well, I they, think you got to think that. They could be that. stuck with that Paul George contract and no Kawhi, and that could be well, basically something that sets 2. them back 0. for five. Set them back for five years or so. Like that's that's a well. It's funny. Ryan Ryan was flirting with disaster. Brought up a great point. Um, the the Paul George signing was so polarizing because for for months everybody was talking about you could lose Paul George like that would be terrible. But then when they signed Paul George, everybody was shitting on the contract. Um, see. I think you got to believe that Kawhi, Kawhi wanted Paul George there, and that's who he wants to play with, despite uh, how awful he played in the playoffs with his new nickname, Pandemic P. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you gave up basically your entire franchise for the next five years, every asset you had to get Paul, Paul George, all and those Kawhi. picks. Jesus. So, like, you had to sign him. There's no way they couldn't re-sign him. That's another thing I wanted to talk about is GMs. If they make a mistake, they never admit it. They will more likely double down on their mistake. Like Sam Presti. Like, yeah. Uh, so this this Paul George signing, they're like, we gave up all these picks. There's no way we're like backing down from this. We have to 
throw push our chips into the center of the table and hope it works out. Yeah, my and so and my my thought with the Clippers is, I I like bringing in Ibaka because I think you know <laughs> obviously Harold is much younger and has a different energy. Ibaka is better for spacing the floor for what they want to do offensively with Kawhi. I got a funny Ibaka story. Who's the new coach that, there? Uh, Tyloo, right. whatever. Oh, okay. Ty, yeah, Tyloo. Yeah, that's right. But Ibaka has played with Kawhi in Toronto. And I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, whenever uh, Ibaka was up there, he would do like a, like a podcasting, but like, you know, with video and stuff. Uh, a web series, I don't know what it is. But he would feed random dishes to like his different teammates. And he had Kawhi on his web series or whatever. And he made Kawhi try this thing, and Kawhi's like, all right, what is it? And it was some form of animal penis. Oh, God. And the look the on Kawhi's I... face, I was like, he's out of Toronto after this year. He's, he's I didn't gone. even know that existed. So that's, that's a, that's a I got to show you this guy's video and maybe share it on your Twitter. Oh, my God. The only, it, uh, is, it is hilarious. He's out of Toronto after this year. He's gone. The, the only oh, Kawhi thing I know is just the video that went viral where it's Ibaka taping Kawhi, and Kawhi just goes, what it do, baby? <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, All right, hey, let's move this along. My other, my other thing on the Clippers oh, come is come on, Clippers. They, nobody cares. Yeah, I care. They just continue. They, <laughs> keep, I don't know why they keep signing these loser players like Markeith Morris and Reggie Jackson. This is exactly why nobody cares. Yeah. I once again recipe for disaster. You. All right. Um, what do we got next? On how that? about let's? Well, let's. We touched on. How about Denver? Like they they didn't sign anybody. They were like the like the queens of the of the bubble, and they 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 came back from the three one. So who predicted what, that? What's the deal on that? Like what are, what are we expecting out of them? They are putting all their eggs in the Michael Porter basket, man. So he better deliver. I, I was wanting to do, the Knicks to do that. They had a chance to draft him. Uh, so did the Sixers. A lot of teams. Did. They took Kevin Knox. Hey, Lovely. I am still a believer in Kevin Knox. I was gonna bro. say you two were uh, diverging yo, we had, paths yo, we had on that Kevin game, Knox. Yo, he had that game winner the other night. That's wonderful. What he hit a game winner in a preseason <laughs> game. Beautiful. Baby stay. Kid's still twenty years old. Oh my god. Twenty years old. Anyway. Oh my. You know who's twenty years old? Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. All right. I mean that's that's really that's really what it is. They 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 let uh, they let Daniel Craig go. They let Plumley go. They Daniel let Jeremy Craig. Grant go. Now I don't. I don't like the signings for the team. Maybe Tory Craig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Tory I don't Craig. Like those signings I know that name. That took those guys, but those guys were big contributors for Denver. Yes, they were. I don't know. I mean, I they traded Malik Beasley. And I, too. I already oh, crapped all over. Um, sorry, guys. No, I already crapped all over um, Jokic as as your go to score in the uh, clutch. You sure which, did. Which he, he kind of like shoved it in my face a little bit in the bubble, yeah. but I, I'm going to double down on oh, that. Yeah. It, it, it's just when you need ISO at the end of the game, I don't want I, – I do not want Jokic. Well, Jamal, Jamal the biggest Murray. problem with Jamal Murray was his lack of consistency, which for two rounds of the playoffs, he showed he could be consistent. And yeah. then in the Lakers series, he faded a little yeah. bit. I, I thought he got the bum end of – some nine calls, which was atrocious in a couple yeah. of those. How good games. was that Utah series? But, uh, it was really good. Drew hated oh it, and I, I was like, dude, this is awesome. I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Drew's like, Mitchell's not good. I'm like, dude, he's uh, playing pretty down good. Mitchell. Forget that loser. Um, disagree. Agree to, agree to well, disagree. Well, I'm a big Ben Simmons guy, and I thought it was a joke that anybody was even <laughs> considering the fact that that guy should even be close to rookie of the year when Ben Simmons, like, 
put up rookie numbers that only Magic Johnson and I don't even I don't even think LeBron put up some of the numbers that Ben Simmons put up as a rookie. So no, was, yeah, Ben Simmons so good. Learn how to shoot a jumper, dude. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Anyway, let's yeah, keep I, hey, let's keep moving this because there we have so much more teams to get to here. All right, keep um, going. How about um, Dallas? Let's talk. Let's talk about Doncic. What what do we think out of Dallas? I think they uh, got worse, but I think he's going to get even better and. I'm gonna, I'm gonna regret doing this, but I'm gonna say he wins MVP this year. I was just about to go there and follow you. Uh, Ooh, I, well, he, if you both are saying it, I like it. Well, he he's the front runner. Um, and one thing about the MVP award that has, it has become a marketing tool for the NBA. Um, I think they use it to give to stars like James, the year James Harden got it i didn't think he should have got it that year the first year Giannis got oh. it i didn't think so hey guys um, uh donchick is right now the front runner to get it plus front runner, plus yeah. 400 we could, plus, we, that's we, what could I said. we could do a pod on these things just going back at each other here tory i i disagree with yeah. both of those but keep going i thought the year that harden won it lebron should have no got way. it dude the, i thought the year that Giannis got it Harden should have got it, and I thought here's, Giannis should have got it last. Here's year. here's my quick point on that because I don't want to take away from Luca because that guy's he's 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 the guy. I love that dude. Yeah, he's the MVP stuck. is a regular season award for mm-hmm. the player for the for the for the player who gives mm-hmm. the most value to a team that ends mm-hmm. up being the best team in the league. It's not the best player. It's not the best player award. It never has been. The NBA like Jordan would have won friggin' nine MVPs. Like that's not what it is. Harden that the Rockets won 68, 68 games. They were the one seed in the West with the friggin' Warriors that everyone tells me nobody can beat that team. They had more wins than them. He had incredible. He almost averaged a triple double for the second straight year. And the Cavaliers barely won fifty yeah, games in the East because they took a bunch of games off because like LeBron was sitting games, Kevin Love was sitting games. Like the the regular season matters, and that and like what your team does matters for the MVP. It's not. It's just not the best player award. That's why I think like James Harden deserved it. Um, I didn't think Russell Westbrook deserved it when he won, but I thought Giannis deserved mm. it too. But I digress. Yeah, I, I definitely thought Giannis deserved it last year. Oh, yeah, he was the best two way player, and he deserved Defensive Player of the Year. But I don't think he will get it this year, and this is why. Luca. Uh, there's only been three players in the history of the league to ever win three back to back to back MVPs. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and Larry Bird, and I don't think he's getting in that conversation. That's some, that's some good research. Your sister's going to be proud here listening to this podcast. Yeah, that's right. I, look, I, I do a little. I like I, I, I like Actually, that. it's funny. I filled up a notebook. Not filled up a notebook, but I have wrote down several pages in the entire notebook, notebook. taking all kinds it. of notes. Yeah, I, all think, right, well, I, just, I think Luke is just going to be a stat sheet stuffer. Like I said, I, I think that team got yeah. worse. Um so I think he's going to have to do even more for them to. And Porzingis is missing some time, yeah, so he's, I think yeah. his value is going to be yeah, yeah, of course he is. And he waited like eight weeks to get surgery for some reason. Yeah, exactly. He's a big zero. I don't know your thoughts as him as a Knicks fan, Tori, hmm. but he's a zero. I hate uh, him. He had a chance. He had a chance, and the Knicks blew it. Um, what do you guys think is going to happen with Golden State? Uh, I know Clay's injured. Um, I, this one, let's. I mean, let's keep this one brief, honestly. But like. They they have Steph and Draymond. Are they are they title? Do they have a chance at the title uh, or, no. or no, no. title? No. If, if Clay was healthy, what, what seed? They is, were my title favorite. What's really without so Clay? What no. seed? Yes. What seed are we thinking? Like six? Between three and seven. I don't even think they're gonna make the playoffs. 
Disagree. Step hate right there. No, no, it's not. And listen, I, I our our other buddy we wanted to get on the pod. I posed this question to him because he he's super warrior, super Steph. My my question was if the Warriors don't make the playoffs this year, should that like should should is it fair to criticize Steph? Yes. Yeah, and I agree with that because he still has another he's you know, he's got another All Star ish teammate in Draymond. Um, so they got two they got two All Star players. You know, Ubre was a great pickup for them. I can't, I think they did that after the clay injury, but I think they were going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm big on what I'm very big on James Wiseman. I think he's rookie of the year. I, yeah, I think he is perfect for that team. I mean, no one got to see him because he didn't get to play because the NCAA restriction. Um, so yeah, I but I just I don't know. I have a feeling they're not gonna they're just not gonna make the playoffs. I, I think they have enough to cover that between Ubre and Wiggins. They have enough oh God, to. I, I wasn't even going to bring to, up Wiggins. Oh, to, to I pat- forgot Wiggins went there. So here, enough let's to so patch wait, that since, hole. Since we brought this D- up, just another, to patch the hole. And I, this might be your answer, maybe a multiple Tory. Of these teams, who's going to make the playoffs in the West? The Warriors, the Pelicans, the Suns, or the Grizzlies? The Warriors. So you think the war? You got anyone else on that yeah. list? You think gonna make the playoffs? Um, I'd have to see who I'm keeping out of the playoffs. Uh, the Suns. My problem with the Suns is Chris Paul. The ball has to be in his hands at all time, and that takes the ball out of Devin Booker's and Aiton's hands. Who those are their best two players? Yeah, uh, I, I think everybody's getting way too hyped on the Suns because they won those eight games in the summer league. Yeah, but everyone forgets Every- like half the games they won, teams didn't play their best players. Yeah. So I I agree. I think the Suns that's fool's gold. Um, yes, that's where I was going next. I'm glad you use the, the Suns because I, I um I I kind of think Chris Paul gives them a bump, but you guys are saying no, so that's interesting. Well, no, I think he gives them a bump, but I just don't think that team was. Still don't as, make the playoffs. I don't think that team was as ready as people think they are. I think they're just thinking, yeah. oh wow, they had that great finish in the summer league, so like Chris Paul makes them like they're going to be like you know a contender. And I just don't think they were that close. Um, yeah. All right. Well, hey, the two teams I wanted to pivot off of the and Suns. And I'm going to go Pelicans, by the way. Pelicans was the next one I wanted wanted to pivot off of the Suns. What do you guys think about the Pelicans? Is Z- Does in- Zion get to play more than, like, 19 minutes a game this year? <laughs> I th- Zion's, Zion's health is going to be an interesting storyline. Yeah. Um, uh, they, have, they have a little bit of talent sprinkled in throughout the roster that if it could gel, they could make the playoffs. I'm picking them. I've been all Zion since day one. I love that kid. I love the Steve Adams signing because he doesn't have to play as much wear and tear at center, and he's got another big body that can take some punishment for him. Um, I love J.J. Redick. That's the only Duke player I've ever liked um, For yeah, before Zion. Um, yep. Who else they got? I like Ingram. I like, I, you know, Bledsoe sucks, but whatever. Um, I'm taking, of those four teams, I'm saying the Pelicans make the playoffs. Um, all right, now a, a team that's uh, also a bunch of young talent, but they're in the East. What do you guys think about Atlanta? Uh, that's where we went. Uh, I like I like their additions. Ninth seed. Um, Are they going to make the I playoffs thought... in the East? Ninth seed. Uh, I, Ninth I think, seed. <laughs> I think they might because you look across. I mean, first off, the Atlantic's going to have four playoff teams between the Celtics, the Raptors, the Sixers, and the Nets. There's four or eight yeah. right there. The Bucks. Then Miami, that leaves you two spots. There's one spot, yeah. It's either it basically it's them or Orlando or the Bulls, or the Wizards. No, the Wizards. Yeah, the or Wizards? the Wizards. What about the Pacers? 
Oh, they're gonna make the playoffs. Pacers are gonna make they the play, playoffs. Okay, they're not. they're one of those teams like they just play hard every night, so they're gonna make the playoffs because every team doesn't they, do that. So they're didn't they just have a coaching change though? Uh, did they fire Nate? I believe so. Oh, yeah, they fired. Yeah, Nate. I forget where they put it. Yeah, but Nate? I, I they got two all stars. I'll I'll throw them in there. Well, then then you leave one spot for Atlanta, Washington. You say Orlando. I'm not a believer. Yeah, and then uh, okay. um. And the Bulls. I'm, I'm going to say the Wizards. With Brad. Bulls. I, I, I believe no. in Bradley Beal more than anyone else on the Hawks roster, so I'm going to take the Wizards to take that spot. The, the Wizards have an interesting I don't know why roster. people believe in Bradley Beal. I'm not, I'm not a big Bradley Beal nah, he's guy. he's good. He's good. As like a third he, scorer, sure. No, second or third. Yeah, he could be a second or third guy. Um, he's, a sec, he's, a, he's a second guy. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm really interested in Denny Avdjava, the, the Israeli guy they uh, drafted. Right after the Knicks, I was kind of hoping the Knicks got him, but I think he's going to be this an interesting the Wizards, right? player to watch. About? Yeah, the Wizards have drafted him. Yeah, I, I I like some of the young pieces, and I, I do have to apologize because I was called out for this from one of our podcast listeners when I basically said that Beal would want to get out of there and to get away from Westbrook, and Westbrook would be left with a bunch of losers. I totally forgot that they got Bertans on that team. He is not a loser. He may be <laughs> the greatest player in the NBA that nobody talks about. <laughs> I do like Davis. Bertons. I do too. He so I, I was game. I was viciously abused for making that comment on the pod a few weeks back. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, pivoting off of Atlanta in the East and, and this final East spot. Um, let let's let's cover Miami and um, the Sixers real quick, and then we can kind of pivot to our final talking point. Yeah, I think Miami, and I, I talked about it on the pod. I think Miami is the fifth best team in the East. I think that they were made tailor made for the bubble because they just play hard. They have depth. They're well conditioned, and they just were going to keep playing no matter what happened. I think that the Bucks, the Nets, the Celtics, and the Seventy Sixers are all better teams than the Heat at the end of the I season. I kind of, uh, to me, I kind of throw Seventy Sixers and Heat like in the same like second tier behind those well, other yeah, ones. Yeah, but I, myself. but I think I think the Sixers are. Good. Yeah. I think the Sixers will be ahead of them in the standings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, that's, B, my, I, that's my take. I don't, I don't. And I yeah, love the Heat. Okay. Listen, I, I swore if Jimmy Butler showed up in the playoffs for when he was on the Sixers, I would be forever in love with him. He showed up. I thought he was a shitbag. Well, he still is kind of a shitbag, but I loved him then. You started drinking Michelob Ultra. Oh, dude. That, that, if the, the, the breaking point for me being Team Jimmy was that friggin' Michelob Ultra commercial with Hall Notes, Hall Notes. <laughs> And then the big face coffee thing. So I, I love him. I love I love. I don't know that there's a bigger Bam out of Bayou fan than me. Um, that is true. I just I just think that they I just think that the bubble and I picked I picked the Heat to go to the finals before it started. I just thought that was a perfect situation for them. So I think. See it's what, what do you say about the Sixers and the Heat? Uh, the Heat. My notes on them is not not expecting another finals run. Yeah. I, I think playoff team, good... but not a finals run. They're going to make the second round. Um, okay. They can make a push to make the finals in the East. Uh, I don't have them coming out. They're they're a super dark horse, but I don't see it. Yeah. So um, what do you think about the Sixers? Sixers, my notes on them is first round exit. Boo. I can see that. I can see that. Boo. Oh, they added a ton of shooting, uh, right? They added some. Sh- they, I like the Seth Curry edition. They added Danny Green. Max um, drafted. Danny, dude, Maxi falling to them at twenty one was the steal of the draft. Maybe we'll see. I like. I could be. I I think they'll make the second. I I like them. The only team. The mm. only team that scares me 
is is Brooklyn when it comes to Philly. I say so. I I'm putting in the second round. I'm putting the Nets, the Celtics, uh, the Bucks, and then are we taking them over the Raptors and oh, the yeah. uh, and and the Heat? Yeah. You think they're getting past? Well, first of all, I think the teams? Sixers, the, the the Celtics are a bad matchup. Well, the Sixers are a bad matchup for the Celtics because they have no size to deal with Joel. Um, they mm. before before Simmons got hurt. Simmons got hurt in the, in the in the in the bubble. Like the Sixers dominated them all season, so that was a huge injury. Yeah, you act like Joel actually plays down low. That doesn't yeah, matter. I I, doesn't I actually matter. think that I think I think the it'll be the Heat, the Sixers, um, the Nets, the and Nets. the Bucks that would that'll be going to be the final four in the East. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, that's not. Let's I let's close out the NBA on always a fun topic. The New York Knickerbockers. Oh wait, hold Gotta. on, wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, and I want to okay. dedicate real quick. Sorry, sorry. This is gonna be You're a good. long one, but hey, yo, shout out to Giannis Antetokounmpo, man, because that guy put his money where his mouth was. He's been saying he is loyal to the Bucks. He's staying in Milwaukee. He's not going to go running away. He's going to run through a brick wall to win a championship for that team. And he just signed the, what was it, the five-year, $225 million yep, Supermax. Yep. Awesome for him. I owe I owe somebody 50 bucks because I definitely thought he was getting the hell out of here at the end of the season. Um, yeah. And dude, like, no, this, good this, point, Drew, because I, I, I like those guys who stay true, too. And, and Damian Lillard is in that category as well. Yes. So I, so. I, I'm I'm definitely following Portland and, and the Bucks this year because yeah, I, I like those guys who stay true and not try to make super. All teams, these so. all these hop around guys that are like, all right, well, hey, I'll I'll stay here for four years and then go there uh, for two years and I'll, yeah, I'll get an opt out clause when, uh, and this and that. After you trade all your assets and the team starts to get old, ah, I'm just gonna go over to this team and redo the same thing and make it seem like it's hard, but it's actually pretty easy when you pair top ten players together and they have assets to trade to get veterans that help the, you now. Dude, awesome! And this thing. guy, this guy didn't even start playing basketball though he was sixteen. He's just a super good kid. Um, you know, I've been hard on him just like because I, I he just needs to develop a part of a his jumper. game to be effective in the last three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we'll talk more about that a little bit more. I just wanted to shout him out because I think that's awesome. At this again, in this the isn't age, the last time we'll the, talk about the NBA. The, the funniest thing about the uh, jumping around thing was uh, Kevin Durant was asked about uh, James Harden trying to join the nets and he was like oh he's just trying to jump over here because we got champions over here and i was like durant that's exactly what you did uh, <laughs> yeah that's funny all right yeah, so let's hear was, about there the was, there, was, there was a tweet today the sixers are, are have been thrown around simmons and in, in offers for hard and i'll fucking i saw jump that off. i will jump off a bridge <laughs> yeah i i actually kind of like that for the sixers Dude, to, as long as they don't give up too many Harden's picks. a baby i don't i don't need some crybaby who got everything handed to him in houston houston did everything to help that guy and yeah. now he's gonna leave because yeah. he couldn't win get out of here i don't i don't want you on my team so Hi, J.O., what do you got no no Knicks. Knicks is the only thing i wanted to touch on and oh, then we right. need to move on but what's the biggest question is, is Miles Powell going to make the team? He says, I think he has zero minutes so far in the preseason. Um, well, ne- neither him or Austin Rivers, who was the Knicks' big signing. So I'm wondering why these guys aren't even getting chances. Uh, but, yeah, I, as far as I consider, I look at the Knicks' backcourt. I mean, you got Austin Rivers and R.J. Barrett. I consider Powell the next best talent myself. I mean, What about Frankie Smokes? Fra- 
Uh, I mean, he plays a little bit of defense, but I'm not a, I'm not sold. I mean, I, I'd rather have Powell yeah, so give him I. a chance. I, I've seen what Frankie could do, and I'm not. So how many I'm games not, they play in this season in the NBA? 72, which is interesting because if you look right now, they only have the first half of the schedule posted. Correct. As the schedule is something I wanted to talk about. So right now, they only have the first half of the schedule posted. So they, they have games scheduled through March 4th. Um, the season's starting two months later than it normally would and finishing one month later than it normally would. So you're pretty much losing a month of there and only losing 10 games. So it's going to be a squish schedule. Um, and on top of that, they're doing this year something that's going to be interesting called series. So like whenever a team comes to town, they're going to play two games like there baseball. to try and yeah, to try and minimize travel. Uh, travel. That's cool. So it, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch teams play back-to-back nights and see what kind of strategy. I mean, typically, over yeah, the that's cool, the season, man. I like these, that. Uh, di- these division teams will play each other like throughout the season, so you get to see how they match up as the season goes on. Now you might see them play two times in, you know, uh, December, and maybe not see them play till two times till April or whatever. So, it's going to be interesting. It's like Drew with all his dates in high school. Oof. But as far as the Knicks go, uh, uh, they're yeah. going to have a tougher. I, I talked about their division between four playoff teams coming out of there. Over uh, under 24 wins. Whew. Out of 72. Uh, I, I, I got to go. A good number, right? 24 and that a half? That's a good number, yeah. I'm gonna go over. I'll be optimistic because I I don't think they're, I don't think this is the worst roster they've had in years. Um, real real quick, Tori, in a minute or less, yeah. just what's 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 it like to be a Knicks fan? Um, you pretty much expect them to make the moves you wouldn't make in the offseason. <laughs> uh, they do. They make every wrong move, and then you say, okay, well. How are you going to follow this up? Let's see if the the coach – I'm telling you, I tell people all the time, I think the Knicks coaching job is one of the best coaching jobs in all the NBA because you come in, you sign a five-year contract, you work for a year and a half, and then you get fired and paid for the three and a half years after <laughs> that's that. That's a great way to look at it. I mean, that's, it. A, that's, a, that's what I want in my life. Like, let me work a year and a half and get paid for the for next five. three and a half. Like, yeah, like, that's exactly the job I want. Oh, I don't know about God. You. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, you just expect them to make moves that make you scratch your head. They don't disappoint. Um, and in three years, they're flipping the script again <laughs> with the new GM and a new coach and this new draft pick. Uh, I think I think uh, the only person to last six or more seasons since Patrick Ewing was drafted is Charlie Ward out of the next draft picks so wow. when you draft a guy you don't expect him to be around you know it's just a patchwork every season uh and they're just <laughs> flying by the seat of their pants worst oh, worst worst move in the last 20 years one just give me the, the, give me the worst give me the worst one uh trading Porzingis. that that's a tough you one. were distraught like, nah, that I mean, day. he's a he's a bitch, I, I so was ter- okay yeah. you won't count that one Here's my thing that I hated. We had a bunch of pieces and a decent team in place, 
and with with Felton and his and Gallinari and stuff or and Carmelo wanted to come to New York and was coming up on free agency and was going to sign with New York and free oh, agency. Yeah. But the Knicks just couldn't wait and gave away every asset That's they right. had. And just gave away every player in draft. If they would have waited like four months, they would have had their whole team still plus Carmelo. Well, that, well Carmelo had a hand in that too. He wanted his money. Like he wanted, he couldn't get as much money if they didn't trade. Yeah, for him. you could, you could do sign and trades though. I mean, I mean, I don't know. That's I agree. That was that was a that was a, that was a bad a bad decision to get him in there. I mean, it, I mean, it was so long term that like the Knicks and the Nuggets switched draft picks that landed the Nuggets Jamal Murray, who just. Like that. Like Wait, it went, that it went on that long? Is that right? It went on that long. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I did that. Just I gave away. Realize. Like, it was just like an absurd amount of like swaps. Like, give you or give you draft picks, and then it will swap to make sure you have the best draft. And like the Nuggets for... still made the playoffs like three or four years yeah. in a row after that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just. So that one hurt. Um, oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Hey, well, um,. Before we before we end up with another hour and forty five minute pilot, let, let's put a bow on that. Too late. T, we'll bring you back. Oh, we gotta do the parlay. Um, yeah, bro. Let, let's be quick on the parlay. Um, so um, I'll just, I'll start off because um, I'm ready to tap into this other beer, quite honestly. But uh, yes, I um my my parlay pick. I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh, and, and you guys are gonna hate. It, Drew's gonna hate me for this, but I'm going. Alabama, Greenboat, Alabama, Roll Tide, minus 17 over Florida in the SEC Championship. Tons of college football championship games this weekend. Um, our boys, the Chanticleers, they just just earlier tonight, they got COVID up in their team, and the Sun Belt Championship is off between them and, and uh, Louisiana sad Lafayette, day. the Raging Cajuns. So that That's game sad. is off this weekend. Um, there, so there's a lot of games. Clemson Notre Dame is playing in a rematch. This time Clemson has Trevor Lawrence. Clemson's minus ten against Notre Dame. Number two versus number three ACC championship. There's a lot of games. Cincinnati's minus fourteen and a half in the AAC championship. Marshall tomorrow Friday uh, is in the in the MAC championship. They're minus like four and a half versus UAB. Uh, oh wait, I think it's UAB. Um, yeah, UAB. So, man, there's there's a lot of good games. I'm taking Alabama minus 17 to beat Florida. Alabama hasn't won by less than like 25 or 30 in like a month and a half. So that's why I'm taking that. Um, Drew, what you got? I'm getting my revenge, revenge game. I'm taking the Bills minus six on the road against Denver. Getting my okay. payback for the Miami debacle. Uh, Bills. Bills. So what what day do they play? Uh, 4.30 on Sunday. Or no, Saturday. I was say, oh. there's Saturday games Holy this shit, week. There, I didn't there's, even there's, 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 there oh, yeah, games. dude. There's Saturday games, Sunday games, Monday games. Yeah. They're all over. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saturday, perfect. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I Saturday like it minus I like six and a half. More now. Bills, okay. There you go. I don't like that, by the way, but that's okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not huge on that, but whatever. There's just, teams always have letdown games, dude, but... Like after a big win, they let down. But eh, but the Bills are good oh, right wait, now. Wait, did the did the Bills have a big win recently? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they did, dude. Yeah, they no, did. No, they they 
they beat the worst 11 and one team. Oh, that's history. right. We they beat that team that the thinks they're cool because they bench players. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, somebody's not bitter. Team. Anyway, uh, T, what you, we're bringing you in for the third on, on as the guest on on the show. So, what's your third on the parlay? Call me crazy. I I love the Dolphins over the their minus one or minus two over the Patriots. And I just love that. I oh, mean, that makes sense. What, what is that a Sunday I a, game? I, I, I got a Sunday game. I see it at minus. Dolphins three. are at home. Minus two, I got here. Minus three. Either way, I think they're going to pound them. I don't see the Patriots scoring more than at tops seventeen points. And I think yeah, I, the the way that Miami generates turnovers, I see the Patriots turning the ball over. A couple interceptions from Cam. I mean, when's the last time Cam threw for three hundred yards, let alone two hundred? 2012. I, I just, yeah, I, I I don't I just don't see. Yeah, good pick. Any, I like it. I just That's I just Sunday don't see any way the, I just don't see any way the Patriots score points. I can't can't. All right. I mean, it's it, it would have to be defense. So we, so we got Bama on Saturday, we got Buffalo on Saturday, and we got Miami on Sunday. Parlay. Yep. Lock it up. Fun day. Fun weekend of football. A lot of football. Yeah. All right. Two Bruce salute. Let's get this number two going. All right. On your marks. Get set. Skadoosh. Um, I have a uh, Trogues Grand Co- Co- Grand Cocoa chocolate stout, cacao chocolate stout. So I got another another stout here. This one's only six and a half percent though. You're really flowing uh, with the chocolates and the coffees. Though. Oh, bro. Yeah, I'm. Um, I, I like I said, I got to counteract this Red Bull that I chugged. What do you got, Drew? Uh, you know me, man. I, I don't, I don't mix. I'm sticking with my Trogues Blizzard hops. Gotcha. T, you got something else fruity going on? No, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm showing you in this stout uh, family. I'm going Prairie Christmas Bomb, an Imperial Stout brewed with spices. Wow. Okay, that's 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 awesome. What brewery is that out of? Uh, Prairie Artisan Ales. Prairie, I oh, think they're yeah, out of sorry. Oklahoma. Nice. Okay. All right, T. Well, um, we'll, we'll talk to you here at the end. Um, why don't you wait in the wings? Um, Drew, you wanted to do right. some uh, Christmas movie follow up. Yeah. So we got some uh, some listeners joined in uh, to the conversation. We got we got some heat from our Harrisburg uh, pop population of fans. Uh, our buddies Alex and Jim, friends of the pod. They uh they were they were upset that Bad Santa didn't make the list. That's the uh, the Billy Bob. Yeah, Ford you know comedy. what? I never saw that, and I thought when I when it first came out, I thought that he was the real Santa, and like he was trying to screw some broad in the changing room <laughs> of a mall. And I was like, dude, Santa, really? Like, and I was like, ah, I'm out. So, so I never saw it. So like Mel Gibson having a coital scene as Santa Claus was okay, but Billy yeah, hundred percent wasn't because Ian Nelms is the man. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Uh, Plus, yeah, it's so, Mel Gibson's crazy ass versus Billy Bob Thornton, who's just weird. That's true. So, uh, so that was yeah, bad. So I, bad I was all out on that. I got we got we got a lot of bad Santa choices. Um, Die Hard not being on the list. Teed, uh, Pete, a couple people. Uh, yeah, it's not Christmas for yeah, me. Yeah, and I kind of explained it. Like I didn't want to do more than one like movies that took place during christmas and today yeah. batman returns takes that place uh and the more i watch elf i don't like elf so you all can suck it i don't <laughs> like elf uh and that uh i don't even like it anymore I, if it's on tv i turn it off i hate it i don't even like it that's not surprising that's why you're the Murtaugh. uh um, yeah exactly 
and screw uh, Elf. Our, uh, our our loyal listener Glenn uh, actually threw the Polar Express. I think that's a an animated like or like a fake animated. Yeah, cartoon. it's like a CGI claymation yeah, animated thing. And, back uh, when like CGI first started. And also, my kids like it. I'm 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 on board with this one. It's a Disney Plus original Noel with my girl Anna Kendrick, Roll Tide. Uh Yeah, she's she's taken over as Santa's Claus, but I just watched it cuz for some reason Anna Kendrick just got it. Not sure why. Gotcha. I just dig her. So, yeah, so those were those were some of the the comments we got on uh on Christmas movie. So, yeah. thanks for thanks for sharing everybody and uh, we had a lot of fun with it. I'm glad everybody yeah. liked it. Yeah, and before we get into Peaky Season 2 here, um, the Two Beer Pod Twitter account got tagged by um, Sleeper Cell Films. Um, it's an indie film company. They they asked us to watch this uh, film they put out three-day weekend. Um, I watched it. Firstly, the, the, the film company looks like it's a husband and wife out in Cali. I'm assuming out in Cali, but maybe not because they went to the Minnesota uh, Indie Film Festival and won an award there for this film. Um, but... The husband looks like he's in the writing aspect of the industry, and the wife looks like she's in the production aspect in the, in the industry. So they kind of just kind of like for, uh, c- combined forces, and I, I'm assuming got with friends and whatnot, and they have two or three films out. Um, so they, they tagged us for this film, Three Day Weekend. It was available free on Showtime On Demand. Only 80 minutes, and what it is is it's this, it's this random dude. He has this breakup. So he goes, he's an amateur camper. He goes to, to camp and he's trying to find a good place to camp. And all of a sudden he stumbles on a active kidnapping situation. So pretty much for the first half of the movie, you're just like, holy crap. Like what's going on? Like, what is like, what are all these vehicles? how they get here? Like he's out in the middle of the woods like and so the thing about this movie is there's no they they advertise it as no dialogue there are spoken words not a lot though um there are um like text messages that pop up on the screen and it's like they're going in and out of service so the text messages come in and out he finds a written note he finds like some like polaroid pictures and he's trying to put two and two together he gets kidnapped this and that and the other thing um, he finds a woman who's locked in a trunk, and so pretty much like halfway woman through the, the trunk is that is the that woman what? was locked in the trunk. She was kidnapped, and so you're trying to figure out like, and then he like gets her out, and it's like this whole big thing, and but they're not really talking, and then all of a sudden he's getting shot at, and 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 this amateur camper is just like stumbling through the woods. Um, I'd say it's actually pretty good and pretty entertaining. Um, you know, I would I I wouldn't say it's a must watch, but if you're looking for something quick, it was a good watch. Um, it's one of those things where like it's kind of like a thriller. It's a thriller mystery thing. So you're trying to it's it has you on the edge of your seat through like the first half of it. Okay. And then and then like about halfway through, it's almost like a memento where they kind of like bring it all together. And like you're like uh like by halfway through you're like starting to put the pieces together and you're like okay well this is that and this this person was here and this and that and so by the end of it you're just kind of like trying to figure it out and it they 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 give you a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more as as the movie goes on and in eighty minutes it's it's not 
it's not tough to sit through that. So it was enjoyable. I'd recommend it if, if it's you and your spouse or you, you and your, your special other were uh, looking for something just to blow through quick where it's not like a season where you have to like keep going. Um, it was it was cool if you like if you like like being out in the woods and, and having like a thriller suspense kind of thing. Um, I, I liked it. It was good. I, I would recommend it. How, how can people watch that again? Uh, Showtime on demand uh, was for free. Um, or if you don't have Showtime, it was on Amazon to rent for five bucks. Okay. Um, so yeah, shout out to the Sleeper Cell Films. It was not bad. So right. um, well, pretty interesting. Job well done, fellas. Yeah, yeah, and lady. And lady. Um, anyway, so coming down the home stretch, the coup de grace. Season two, Peaky season Blinders. two. Yeah, so I will say. Rewatching season one, I was a little bit underwhelmed because I was like, "Man, this show's so good." And season two, rewatching, oh, I was as blown away as the first time, and it really picks up into. So I'd say much season happens. season one was like a very good show, and season two it just vaults into legendary status. So agreed. Just off the bat, I want to say the theme. If I had to ex- explain this this season in one word, I'd, I'd say, excuse me, I'd say expansion. Yep. The Peaky Blinders are expanding their universe, um, and I'd say the first two episodes, the plot goes in like twelve different directions, and then after that, everything kind of marches towards episode six, the season finale, where just so much goes on. Um, so, so much goes on every episode. It, I, I know. It is like, and I told Drew, so we're going to try and make this more concise than last time, um, which it, I thought we did a really good job last time, but I want to have more room for opinions and banter here. So um, I'm going to try and go through this a little bit quickly, but there's just so much, especially in, in episode one and two. Yeah, And I guess just to just to frame it, so we went through the key players of season one, Pretty much everybody's the same here in season two, except we have Alfie Solomons and Darby Sabini, who are probably I think they're the only other two central characters that you really need to think about. Yeah, right? that, that, that's that? fair to say. Yeah, that's fair Alfie, to say. Alfie Solomons is a May, Jewish... Michael. Michael, he he is a very big role towards by the end of it. Uh, Michael, yeah, and, I'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, he sucks. But yeah, Alf, Alfie's a Jewish gang leader in uh, in London. Bookie. Uh, Rob, or he's yeah he's he's a he runs a rum distillery and then uh, Darby Sabini is a British Italian gang leader and basically the king of the the race the racehorse gangs just to set the scene for who those two guys yeah are. exactly so so season one ended with uh, Grace and Inspector Campbell on the um, on the um, platform at the train and you hear a bang and it fades to black. And you assume that Campbell Campbell was holding her at gunpoint, so you assume Grace got shot, and in the back of your mind thinking maybe there was a third party. In reality, Grace shoots Campbell. They drop that they drop that scene right there, and immediately it says two years later, and you're like, what? Okay. So then immediately it goes to a scene where there's two women dressed in black with baby carriages that blow up the garrison, the Peaky's pub. Come to fi- later on, you find out Tommy did that himself to get the insurance money, 
but it's just like one thing after that's setting the stage for like one thing after another in these first two episodes um all of a sudden campbell's back he now has a cane and he you figure out he is handpicked tommy for a secret mission on behalf of the crown but you kind of don't know what it is and it's in conjunction with these like irish radicals and this is like okay you, like you're kind of trying to figure out how did tommy get kidnapped and, and put into this but tommy has to like basically follow the crown so he now has this mission that we don't know what it is yet in the meantime tommy decides you know what we are moving in, into london and so birmingham is kind of like in the center of england and london is more towards the south so they're going to go south and and try and inject themselves into the london scene try and try and um kind of take over the big time and um tommy's like you know what the italians and the jews are at war the italians are starting to win and we are going to throw ourselves in with the jews and help them fight back and that's how we're going to gain influence so what they do is they go down to london oh i'm sorry wait no that's uh, let me look at my notes here. Yep, you're, you're you're good. Yeah, so they they go down to London Arthur, and Tommy and John Boy. Yeah, so so they go down to um, the Italian's uh, club, which the Italian, like Drew said, is Sabini. He's he's the head, and it's like a drug fueled orgy situation going on fast music and they go and they cause a scene and they're like having a good time yeah picture and, picture the great gatsby uh party with, with a with lot of dr- acid yeah yeah so so they so they do that and they're feeling good about themselves but sabini's like this, this is not gonna fly so they infiltrate birmingham um and they end up uh, just beating the crap out of Tommy. He he's a bloody mess. They even go and they cut his gold tooth out of his mouth. And Sabini's like, "You see what I know about you? I even know what's in your fucking mouth." That's a great Sabini impression. Yeah. That so it's like it, 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 it's out, honestly, and this is something I wanted to touch on once we go back to our opinion piece of this. But I don't think Sabini. I don't think they did a good job making him an Italian gangster at all. But um. Anyway, so episode one ends with, like like I said, Tommy's, like, in this mission that we don't know about. He wants to expand in London. He just got the crap kicked out of him, and he's he's now in the hospital. Um, season two starts out... I'm sorry, episode two starts out where he's like, okay, I need to get out of the hospital. Um, like, I'm a sitting duck in here. He sneaks out. He's like, I need to go to London and talk to the, to the Jews and, like, make an alliance with them. So... Um, he, he sneaks out, goes via the canals, sneaks in, and we meet Alfie Solomons, who is uh, Tom Hardy. Oh, and awesome. um, All kinds of awesome. And, yeah, so basically anytime Tom Hardy's in a scene, it is just fantastic. It really is. It is just insane. So you, you, you learn like how insane Alfie Solomons is, the head of the Jewish gang up in London. Um and Tommy pitches to him like, "Hey, look, you guys are getting your butt kicked. Let us come in. We'll be your muscle." And basically, more or less, Alfie Solomon's agrees to that. Um, and Sabini kind of f- learns because Sabini has spies in Alfie in Alfie's like you know group. So Sabini learns that you know the Peakies are coming up, and he's getting all paranoid. Um, in the meantime. 
um, you know, the the plot is is marching forward with with between Campbell and Tommy now reengaging each other, and every episode they're trying to like one up each other. Um, so in this episode, Tommy one ups Campbell by writing a letter to Winston Churchill directly. Oh, yeah. Winston Churchill is not yet the prime minister; he's just kind of like above Campbell, and so um, Winston Churchill reads Tommy's letter out loud and basically as was the theme with season one, just shames Campbell for not being a soldier in France. And Tommy requests a simple request for carrying out this mission, which we don't know what it is yet. Um, that he would get this export license, uh, into like America and or Canada and a couple places. And Winston Churchill's like, yeah, we'll do that. Especially for like a soldier. Um, and, and it kind of like embarrasses, uh, Campbell. Um, so in the meantime, on top of that, um, Polly's been having these dreams about her kids that got ripped from her when they were little. Um, and so Tommy tracks down her 17, soon to be 18 year old son, Michael, um, and says like, Hey, this is your real family. This is your real mom. Whenever you're 18, come down. And he, before he even turns 18, he comes down and he starts to get intertwined with the family. Um, and um he eventually at this episode two ends where he meets polly after polly was like she was all worked up because she wanted to know where the address was where michael was so she she ended up getting drunk and sleeping with some young kid and she's doing the walk of shame at the end of the episode and she meets her son michael for the first time since she was snatched out of her arms um so the stage is set after episode two um Episode three is Tommy recruiting some people to provide muscle up to Alfie Solomon's. Ends up being Billy Kitchens, who is a Birmingham small heath. Small heath is an area of Birmingham. Um, they call themselves the small heath rifles or the drummies. And they're going to provide 100 strong men up to Alfie. Um, and... Um, Michael, at the beginning of the episode, you can see Michael's starting to get more intertwined with the family, and Polly's trying to make sure that doesn't happen. It's not working because Michael's intrigued. Um, Alfie kind of has like an orientation with Billy Kitchen and the Small Heath Rifles. And again, like I said, every scene with Alfie in it and Tom Hardy is just ridiculous and hilarious and crazy wow. and awesome. Tremendous. Yeah. In the meantime, Arthur's PTSD is really kicking in. Um, in the little boxing uh, gym that they have, Arthur ends, up, people. Arthur, Arthur ends up killing a, a, a young boy, like a young a young man. Um, he he's just pummeling this guy's face and he kills him, and so that ends up being a problem because later on in the season, like the mom comes by and holds him a gunpoint and all this, but really he it it's more. They all have PTSD, and Tommy is is trying to, with his ambition, he's trying to cover it up. Arthur's doing it with his violence, um, but that's kind of like a theme throughout the season. Is they're all trying to like just cope with being out of the war, and Tommy's honestly just getting pissed with with all of Arthur's outbursts, and he's telling them like, "Look, I found a way to get over it. You got to get over it. Like we're like stop being a child." Yeah. Which, and, and a big thing there is with yeah to your point the big theme of the season is expansion 
and Tommy is starting to see weaknesses in the family members. So Arthur's PTSD is a huge weakness for him. Polly's attachment to the children, you know, to the children that were taken away from her, that's a weakness. So yeah. these are all things that are starting to kind of come closer to you know to his eyes that he's seeing that are gonna that can get in the way of the expansion. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, in in the meantime, Sabini's getting more and more paranoid that the Peakies are expanding. Um, so they there was um a young guy who was like, just honestly, he was just like a dumbass that that was the Peakies were using to go to jail, um and. Sabini has some guys go go into the jail and cut this guy's throat. Brutal scene, um, but uh, so so Sabini's just getting paranoid and starting to fight back. Yeah, he's lurking in the shadows as all this is kind of happening, and then starting to get now involved. Yeah, so so um, Tommy decides the way he's going to move in on Sabini is he's going to buy this really expensive horse um, at, at auction. And that'll get him entrance into the Epsom Derby, which is Sabini's primetime event for all of his horse bookies. Yep. Um, so in this episode, Tommy goes to the auction and he starts bidding on this horse. that's like a quarter Arabian. You know, it's a filly. So like not a lot of people want to buy it, but he thinks it's going to be a good horse because he knows horses. And there's all of a sudden this really cute woman starts Ugh. bidding back and forth with him. He ends up paying twice the amount that he was willing to pay just because he wanted to like kind of like show this woman like show out for this woman. Um so he wins the horse, all of a sudden he's talking to her after the bidding, you know, she says come by, I train horses, this that and the other. May Carlton. May Carlton, Roll Tide as Drew would say. Roll Tide, bro. Um so um as it turns out, as they're leaving, they get attacked on the floor of the auction house, um, and again uh, by by Italians. Yeah, and, so um, that's a Sabini assassination attempt on Tommy, right? Correct, correct. And so uh, they they fight them off, and Arthur just goes nuts again, and actually ends up biting a guy's jugular, kind of like so the, in the episode. Um, they pulled pulled a little Rick Grimes. Oh my gosh, it was insane. So. Um, Episode four starts. They're at the they're at the um, funeral of the kid. They got they got his throat slit in jail, and they're paying off the mom, being like, "Sorry for your troubles," which is obviously just ridiculous. Um, and he meets with Campbell again, and Campbell is bringing these revolutionaries back in, and they tell, and that's when the audience learns that Tommy's assignment is actually an assassination, and it's going to be kind of like a political assassination, but we don't know who yet. And Tommy's just like super pissed once he learns his assignment and he's just like he doesn't know how he's going to figure it out but you know Tommy's going to come up with something um and again so the peakies are gaining momentum um so they t actually take that club with all the orgies and stuff they end up taking that club over um yeah it's one of, that's one of the to me that's one of the best scenes in the series when they in episode 4 they go into uh, they go into Camden Town or K yeah Camden Camden Town yeah yeah mm -hmm. Club Epsom and yeah they the blinders just tear shit up and there's this crazy music going and Arthur just goes the club's under new management by order of the Peaky Blinders yeah it was really cool um, so Sabini's like okay he's had enough of this he goes and meets with Alfie Solomon's 
Uh, and they good, agree that great scene. They agree, like I said, everything with Alfie, and it's great. They agree that Alfie is going to double cross the blinders because they just can't have. They're just sick of these blinders like infesting London. Um, and so, to, and the deal is for them that Alfie's going to be able to have his bookies at the at the Derby. Yes, yeah, which, which does come in, in into into play later. Yeah, but that that's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Tommy's now visiting this May Carlton, this smoke show that he met at at the oh. auction, and they're they're falling for each other. They do end up sleeping together, and and she is just super super rich. Um, her estate is massive. It's sprawling. Tommy's like, holy! When he he, he pulls up and he's like, fuck, and so he's just like. I mean, it, it is just like, she's well connected. She got all this money. Her husband's long dead. So, um, you know, he, he ends up spending the night there and they're, they're falling for each other. Yeah. There's, there's some great banter in that scene where basically she's, she's basically saying how Burry has a long way away. He can spend the night and it won't seem awkward because people do that all the time. There's a guest wig and Tommy basically keeps like teeing her up to be like, yeah, like spend the night so we can shag, and like she's kind of going the other way, even though you can tell she wants to shag. It is, it is like an awesome like nineteen, you know, early nineteen hundred sexual tension uh, induendo scene. Yeah, agreed. So that yeah, I I I wrote down stuff from that, and we can go back. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway. Um. Um. Oh, so towards the end of the episode, um. Did I not write down episode five? Well, yeah, season right after, after yeah, that. Yeah, so, so at the end of the episode... Yeah, okay, so I didn't write down episode five. So at, at the end of this episode, um, Tommy calls the Ritz Hotel in London, Ugh. and Ugh. it is Grace's... Like, Grace is back in the fold all of a sudden with her husband. She And she had been living in Poughkeepsie, New York, and all of a sudden she she's back in England, and you're like... You, dude, you just had a great time with this May Carlton. Now you're calling Grace at the Ritz out of nowhere. Like, what's going uh, yeah. on? Yeah. Um. So that's the end of episode four. Again, episode five. Tommy is back with May. They're having a great time. In the meantime, uh, crap's about to go down. Um. Arthur and Billy Kitchen are at Passover with Alfie Solomons, and they end up murdering Billy kitchen and framing arthur for it and arthur gets arrested um they arrest michael who michael has now become the clerk for for the shelby's um the italians are basically taking out all of the um the muscle in london that the peakies put there and so they're just losing ground left and right and then all of a sudden campbell who's in on all of this um, corners Polly, and he's like, "Yeah, you want to get Michael out of jail? Like me and you are about to do some stuff." He ends up just forcing himself on her and raping her. It is super creepy and grimy, uh, and you're just like, "Son of a gun!" I can't believe all this is happening. And, yeah, and he basically, basically, it's like, "Hey, do this with me, and Michael will get out of jail." Yeah, he basically explains to Tommy. He he basically, I guess, betrayed. We'll say betrayed him. Because he, you know, 
he wants to have leverage over Tommy to actually go ahead and make sure that he comes through on his end of the bargain of the assassination. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like Campbell's like, yeah, I want to have like some chips in hand to make sure you come through with this assassination. And it's ends up being, uh, this guy named, uh, field Marshal Russell, who there's two sides in this like radicalization, revolutionary Irish thing. The crown sides with one side over the other and so basically one side of the radicals and the crown both want this other political leader of the other side to be assassinated and that's where campbell comes in and tommy comes in so tommy in the meantime tommy's trying to figure out how he can have his cake and eat it too and like marry all of these plots together um so he tells campbell like look they meet in a church he's like look i'm gonna kill this guy we need to like this is unacceptable blah 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 in the meantime, Tommy goes actually goes on a date with Grace, even though she's married, and they go to see um, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin, yeah. Yeah, and they like meet the actual actor. Um, and they end up sleeping together too. And it's like, as as an audience, you're just kind of like Tommy, like who who you who do you have? He he's confused. He has feelings for everybody. But um, anyway, that's kind of like where season or I'm sorry, episode five ends. And that and everything is marching towards episode six, which is Derby Day. Um, so all of a sudden, the morning of the Derby, Arthur gets bailed out of jail. Tommy is setting his plan in motion um, that he's going to have the assassination at the Derby. He's going to overthrow Sabini at the Derby. Um, he he's now getting back with the Jews, and the Jews are now on his side again. Um, and there, there's a great scene where Tommy visits with Alfie and he's like, Tom, Alfie's like, yeah, well that's, we can do this, but I'm going to own your whole company. And, um, Tommy basically says like, yeah, well I planted a grenade on my way in here. So you're not going to own my whole company. And they, they don't have the balls to call Tommy's bluff basically. And so Alfie ends up owning like 35% of the, of the export business instead of a hundred percent based off of Tommy's bluff. And, um, so it, it's crazy. Anyway, so this, the, all of this is in motion now to come to head at the Derby. Tommy brings Lizzie, who is, he was sleeping with, who is the hooker he was sleeping with in season one and who in season John two, Boy by the way, marry. who John Boy wanted to marry, um, so that she can find a private place to isolate this field marshal Russell so that Tommy can c- carry out the assassination. Um, and he tells all the peakies, look, right when the when the race starts, I'm going to distract the cops. You go in and burn all the licenses for Sabini and we're we're taking this crap over. And they're like, "Well, how are you going to how are you going to distract the cops because they don't know that he's pulled in on this assassination?" Right. And he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it." So Everything's going to plan. He goes to help Lizzie, and there's cops blocking his path, so he's late to get to Lizzie. Lizzie's, Lizzie's getting raped by this guy. Um, Tommy eventually gets there and saves Lizzie. Um, I and he, he tries to shoot the field marshal, and his gun backfires. There's this whole like fist fight. Lizzie ends up shooting the guy. Tommy tells her to run. He takes the fall for it. The cops come running. The Peakies take over for um, the Peakies take over all of Sabini's like posts. Everything's going to plan. 
lo and behold, Campbell had hired these people, the red right, oh wait, I wrote it down, um, the red right hand of, um, I'm not going to be able to find it, I lost my place in my notes, um, it, basically it's just another, like, paramilitary group that Campbell has hired, like, on, on the secret to go get Tommy, um, and so, even though the cops are all distracted, this red right hand group comes, snatches Tommy. Everything's going to plan except for that, and they they drive Tommy away, and they they are going to uh, now kill Tommy, and 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 they drive Tommy out the middle of a field, and the ditch is already dug where they're going to bury him, and you're sitting there at, like as a viewer like how is this guy going to get out of this like there's like no way so there's three guys that capture him and take him out to the field and right when they're about to shoot tommy one of the three guys shoots the other two and it's actually a spy from winston churchill oh, yeah. and winston and he's like oh winston churchill wants to meet with you personally like he's got another assignment for you so tommy survives that the other two guys go in the ditch and they basically end up meeting back at Birmingham. Um, everybody's celebrating. And Michael says, hey, let's make some real money and let's expand even further. He, that's what he says to Tommy. And that's how how season two ends. And it's just like, the, you know, they already took over everything from the Italians. You know, they're already expanded so much into London. And, and now Michael's like, let's push the envelope even more. And it's just like, holy crap, what? a season from these people so yeah and two and two two big points i think that you um i was trying to fly through it i I, there was a lot i missed two two critical things i think one grace shows up at the derby and she's pregnant thanks for ruining more things for us grace uh so apparently tommy's got really fast swimmers and within a matter of a couple days she got knocked up so She's pregnant, so Tommy's got to make a decision there what he's going to do. And then uh, right as Campbell's about to leave the the derby, Polly forces him into a phone booth with a gun and shoots him while the cops are distracted by the assassination. Yep. Good good, uh, things to add there. Um, So Campbell's out of the picture now. We don't know what's going on with Grace. Tommy says he wants to marry her when he's at gunpoint. Um. And he even kind of lets May Carlton know, like, hey, like, there's someone else. Like, it's not going to work between us. Um, which there is a scene where May Carlton and Grace are both waiting for Tommy after the race. And they and they meet each other. And it's kind of, like, awkward. Right. Um, but, dude, what, what you know, start back at the beginning. But, like, what 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 scenes did you like? And what, what quotes did you like and all that? And... All right. So, episode one. I really, I really like the scene where the three brothers they make the trip to London and they hit up the Epsom Club, uh, and like you said, they're feeling themselves, and the the three brothers just beat the living crap out of pretty much all Sabini's guys, and uh, you know, cause trouble, cause trouble in the club. Um, I really enjoyed that. You know, as as you said, the theme of the season is expansion. The one brother who is not in favor of expanding is John Boy. There's a scene in the first episode where John Boy is basically like, you know, we're making, you know, I want to say 500 pounds a day, but that seems light. But basically he's saying we're making all this money in just a single day. 
why are we pushing the envelope and risking you know risking ourselves um by moving into these new territories and then really he's kind of just a sound a mouthpiece and a soundboard for you know esme his wife who is not in favor of it and after she goes on a little tangent arthur it's a little silent arthur just goes that was a lot of words wash them down with a nice drink tommy i really like i don't know why but i really like that line <laughs> arthur um, yeah and the opening the cold open like you mentioned the two this is kind of my thing throughout the season um they just play that saw man the red right hand and as like the two the two women with the carriages blow up the bar um i thought that was pretty pretty cool in episode it's just one. wild like there's just so much stuff going on all of a sudden in episode one you're like this that and the other thing and it's like like i said it kind of like sprawls out in so many directions right right off the bat yeah i, mean, I, I liked in episode two um um, I'm, I'm going to say, um, Tommy gets out of the hospital after he got beat up and, um, he's like, yeah, I need to get to London and start making deals again. And he, he calls for Curly, who's basically like the special needs guy who works at the docks. And he also says Curly's the best horseman in London or in England. Um, but, um, he, he gets like whatever like steroidal cream they rub on the horse's legs to cheat and make them faster yeah and he's like yeah get the cream and rub it on (laughs) (laughs) and his uncle charlie's like tommy that's for horses and he's like i am a hoss he's a great little side character yeah um yeah, my season two biggest takeaway is Tom friggin' Hardy. I have that like underlined like seven times on my note yeah. sheet. He just steals the scene. I mean, Tom, Tom Hardy's one of my favorite actors. He is just tremendous as Alfie Solomon. Um, and my other, I don't have a specific quote, but um, I do the. Re- I really enjoy Tommy starting to. I, I mentioned it already. He's starting to see the weaknesses in the family, and you know he's got to try to you know nip those in the bud. So that he can kind of move on with the expansion that he had. Yeah, he he just even though they do things by family vote, he's just doing things on his own because he could see like ten moves ahead, whereas the yeah. family can't because yeah, because right. their own faults. Um, episode three. Um, I have another one in fan. Oh, uh, th- this is a good example of Arthur um, Arthur's PTSD. And after he he kills the guy, and he's telling Tommy, he said, uh, "It's like my head." It's like my head is like a boat filled with heavy cargo, like coal or iron. Sometimes the coal slips to one side and the boat tips. I can feel it slipping. I can feel the boat tipping. It's like my effing head is this big effing barge, and it just drifts in and out. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just like, oh, it's, it's really good writing. Um, I just wrote that down anyway. That's good. No, I like that. Um episode three i really my my favorite quote in this one was when may uh may meets tommy and asks where where he's from and he goes birmingham and she goes goodness and he goes no not much yeah i wrote that down too that was oh, a yeah. good one yeah, yeah that was a good line and uh <laughs> dude, may, i thought that was the end of episode two i have that in episode three okay um yeah dude may carlton is she yeah dude she's a she's a let's address that now because that's another thing that at the we've we've always questioned like she's this great looking wealthy influential person she's everything tommy wants and like he should just be with her yes yes and i guess i'll I'll kind of cheat here i have this written seven times i just counted it on my notes 
I hate Grace. She is awful. Yeah, she just ruins this. I don't. Every- I don't like her character. I don't like her. I don't like her with Tommy. May Carlton is that that the, the the biggest mistake throughout this series of Tommy is not not just sealing the deal with May Carlton. I mean, exactly. well, he seals the deal, but he should have he should have wiped her up. Should put a She's ring basically on that. the Gal Gadot of the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. Man, oh god. Yeah, so should have put a ring on that. That was silly. Um, um, but there, I like the scene with Alfie um, where he's doing the orientation with with. Oh with, yeah, yeah. And he's and he's basically by the end he's saying rule number three four five six seven eight you know he's like i am a sodomite like you do not go near jewish women jewish women are off the menu yeah that was a good one <laughs> Another, in the same scene uh, i like i like where he he makes the comment never never make the biggest man the leader yeah so funny uh, um episode, episode four yeah I already talked about the scene where the Peakies take over the Epsom Club. Um, that's just one of my, I, that may be my favorite scene in the entire series. Yeah, uh, I like the whole the whole exchange between Tommy and May. Um, yeah, I wrote it down here. He's like, oh, he gets there and he's like, do you want to fuck Mrs. Carlton? I got that written down. And uh, and he's like, would I represent something to you? He said we should have this conversation before the booze starts talking for us. And um, basically, they just agree that, like, yeah, we're going to get it on later. <laughs> so good. Uh, dude, that ep- episode four is a much while. Even if you're not going to watch the series, if you're going to watch the series, yeah. go to season two and watch episode four. I, I also like the meeting between Sabini and I have that Alfie. Too. It's great. And he, <laughs> it just cracks me up that they're complaining about how much influence the the Peakies have gained. And they're like, yeah, they, they've spread, like, the clap throughout it, throughout London. <laughs> That cracked me up. Yeah, no, I really, uh, I like that too. That's that's good. Uh, um, what else do I have? To- yeah, Tommy visits May for some dead man walking coitus. Um, yeah, May's the perfect woman. Why does Grace suck so much? <laughs> Tommy calls Grace. What the f is wrong with you, Tommy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my. That was that was the end. That was the end. Episode four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, f- I mean, five. The cold open is probably the best scene where Alfie's just walking in the uh, in the basement of his distillery with the with the 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 goat that they're going to sacrifice. The lamb, yeah. Or the lamb, for, yeah. For the Passover, with, with yeah. the red right hand playing while he's doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so good. And then he's telling the story of Passover, and he goes, "Yeah, we named the goat." And, and he's like, "He's like, you want to know the name?" And Arthur's like, "Get like an ox." Says, "Yeah, what's that bastard's name?" Like, tell us that name, and like. The big red-haired dude. You already said it. I forget his name, but Billy uh, Kitchens. Yeah, Billy Kitchens. He's like he just senses something's not right because they locked the doors. And Arthur's just like, "Give it to me, baby." And Tommy and Tom Hardy's like, "The goat's name? Thomas Shelby." And then poof, all the killing. Yeah, starts. exactly. Um, I really like the scene in there where Tom, after everything goes wrong and Tommy finds out that like Campbell's kind of put him against the wall. He starts shoveling horse shit with. Uh, yes, I wrote that down too. Yeah. Yeah, and when what's what's the, what's the guy's name? You already said his name, but I forget. Which uh the the field marshal Russell? No, the big the oh. the big the big the the slow guy that works in the stables. Oh, Curly. Yeah, Curly. Yeah. Well, yeah, Curly, yeah. So Curly he, asked yeah, him why. so basically everyone's in jail. Tommy was off fooling around with May, and every, everyone's like either been raped or in jail or whatever, and Tommy just starts shoveling the horse crap in the stable. And they're like, Tommy, why are you doing that? And the line is, Drew. I sh- I'm I'm shoveling the shit to remind to remind myself where I'd be if I wasn't me. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so which is awesome. Yep, exactly. Uh, Tommy breaks it off with May. You're an idiot, Tommy. That's uh, just some of my side notes. Um, yeah, those. That's 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 what I got for season episode episode five, five. episode six. Oh, God, there's just so much. That I, have, I, I know there's just so much. It's just the scene. The scene is tremendous in the beginning where he goes to visit Alfie because Sabini Sabini. Uh, he basically betrayed the deal and wouldn't let Alfie's bookies in the in the racetrack anyway. Yeah, so that's why they're making the deal. But like, you know, as Jo said, Tommy stops to tie his shoe, and that's where he, you know, quote unquote, set the um, explosive. Yeah, <clears throat> and the whole back and forth where he's like, "Well, your your man here saw me stop and tie my lace." He's like. When I did that, I planted a basically planted a grenade with the tripwire, and I got a friend out here who's an anarchist that's gonna blow the place. If I'm not out there, and they keep going back and forth trying to read each other, and like Al or Alfie Solomon's number two is like, Jesus, Alfie, he stopped to tie his lace. So like, it's so funny yeah. is these two have these poker faces, and this guy's losing his mind because he's like, shit, I saw him tie his lace. He's not bluffing. Yeah. It's Tommy freaking Shelby. Um, that that scene's just so great. Um, what else do we have here? May I interject? Yeah, sure. Hey, Tori, yeah. Oh, come Tori, on back in. yeah. The funniest part about that scene is he makes that guy go sit in the yeah. corner. Yeah. I think he's like, you are like a child. Go sit in the corner. That's what Alf- Alfie tells him. Yeah. I just wanted to add uh, that. that. Yeah, that is that is excellent. Um, yeah, no, Tori, come back. I was going to say, we're, and honestly, episode six, there's just, there's just too much and so much. So I'm going to say you know in the interest of time like episode six is just so perfect and and, and oh god hold on what, what do you got there drew uh, i forgot in episode five when he's when he's sitting there when he goes and meets with grace and uh he goes he goes yeah i was thinking about sleeping with you but i've changed my mind and she goes what makes you think i would i would have i would have gone to bed with you after after one whiskey and some conversation <laughs> and tommy goes well i was counting for three whiskeys yeah <laughs> great like great that. line um, yeah and then in season six after he kills the episode uh, six the chief marshal he when he comes out to the cops he just goes oh i was in there taking a shit and i heard some some bullets yeah uh, it's it oh all of it's so nuts tori do you have i know you you uh in anticipation of this this episode mm-hmm. you you rewatch season two and anything else to add a um, couple of things. I think from the first uh, episode after they beat up Tommy, uh, there was a line I liked from uh, Sam Neill's character. He was the Jurassic Park guy. He played uh, Campbell, Amanda, Officer Campbell. Name? Yeah, Cam- Officer Campbell. Uh, he's like talking about how uh, they're gonna employ Tommy Shelby. He's like, "We'll send for you when you when I hear you could stand to piss." Oh, when he's just like laying that, in the bed, like yeah, like a bloody mess. Yeah, yeah. I found that funny, uh, and a couple other things. Um, maybe you touched on this. Uh, after Michael, first, first off, Michael, his the actor's name is Finn, and there's a character in the show named Finn. And every time they say Finn, I think Michael. So I kind of had to like get that uh, out of my head. But Michael, whenever he goes with the black kid and they have the fight in the bar, and afterwards, once uh, Arthur finds out about it, they go to, like, you know, burn the bar down. And Michael's like, oh, you don't have to do that for me. And Arthur's like, we're not doing it for you. 
it just shows like because we're doing it for the good name would, of the company. Yeah, yeah. Or what, the good name what of the family they would or whatever. Do to, to like just show like, hey, you don't mess with the Peaky Blinders. Yeah, like, exactly. You 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 have one small fight and we are going to this length. Like that, I found was yeah. awesome. And there is another scene that is just like a brief two seconds, but it just like kind of encapsulates capsules uh, who Thomas Shelby is. Like he comes out of like their bar and just walking down the street, and some random guy like sees him and like tips his cap and it's like just like the reverence around the whole city that everyone pays to Thomas Small Shelby. Small bombing him. Like, you know, it, it, I just found that cool. Yeah, everything about it is cool, man. It's 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 a period piece, so everything about the period is cool. I know I watch it with my wife. The clothes. She, she's just like into that, the whole period part of it. And um, I mean, it's... It, it's a it's a cool show it's ruthless um highly recommend it obviously um we're gonna keep keep going through the seasons um maybe we break it off as a separate pod i don't know because these are starting to get lengthy but um maybe so maybe we'll we'll review it as a separate pod and 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 just leave it as his own standalone for uh for 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 the seasons uh three through five but i mean three five or six i don't know but um, oh no! I think people love listening to our voices for a couple hours. I agree, but I just mean in terms of like breaking it up so that they could. Uh, eh, we'll see. We'll see what we could do. But anyway, um, that that season two, the show. Honestly, the show just keeps getting better because you're like, how can I keep getting better? And it somehow it does. So um, I'm, fully... gonna, I'm gonna take my last last swig here of my beer. I'll set us the mood here. God, that song just gets you so jacked. I might, I might yeah. go hit the heavy bag for another hour. <laughs> uh, I think I'm about to go rock the baby. <laughs> but anyway, all right, Tori, thanks for being on the pod. Yeah, man, appreciate, Pre- appreciate it. all the NBA. My pleasure. The NBA in, in, insight, uh, inside info was 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 great. I'm gonna get the parlay in here probably tomorrow morning. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to talk about Carmelo. Yeah, but... we didn't get Carmelo in there. That's all right. We'll uh, we we. Just want to say he's probably going to go into the top ten of scoring all time this there season. There you go. Well, uh, and we could exchange it. some tweets and whatnot as well. But um, yeah. Thanks for being on, uh, Drew. Until Sir. next week, brother. Yeah, we got to plan out. Uh, we got to plan out what we're going to do for for Christmas. I guess that is next week, isn't Chris- it? Christmas Eve is Thursday, so we may have to do a special uh, on special Wednesday. Wednesday drop. Yeah, we'll have to do something. Everyone, stay tuned for that. We might have to figure out what to do. Um. Anyway, oh wait, Drew, Drew's been yelling at me about my sign off. What did I say I was gonna do for my sign off? Oh God, what did see you say? See out there. Uh, yeah, great, yeah, great, yeah. great talk. See out yeah, there. Yeah, great talk. All right, ready? I'm gonna say that, then you say yours. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Tori, nice talking to you. Drew, great talk. See you out there. Big kisses, everybody. <laughs>